0: Good, evening, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into our special edition of Hoopsville on this Matchup Monday, bracket day here in Division Three basketball. I am your host, Dave McHugh, and welcome to the show. We'll start it this way. What does it mean to make it to the NCAA tournament for the first time in program history? Well, that's easy. Let's ask the UMass, course, UMass the Dartmouth Corsairs for the first time in program history, well, that's easy. Classy UMass Dartmouth Crimson
1: for the first time in program history, well, that's easy. Classy UMass Dartmouth Crimson for the first time in program history, well, that's easy. Pastor, you mask, you
0: mask it just doesn't get any better than that. That's the reaction of a team who earned their way in with that large bid for their first-ever tournament. Congratulations to the Corsairs. Congratulations to all the teams who made it into the tournament. Well-deserved, to say the least. I loved in that one where they reacted. They couldn't believe they heard it. You see their coach emotional. Then there's a little bit of a subdue. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait, no, we really didn't, and react again. It is outstanding. Congratulations to the UMass Corsairs. Um, I I can't say... That there aren't going to be disappointments out there. Clearly there are. But you got to be happy for the teams who make it in, especially in one of those cases. Um, So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, We're going to try and answer your questions. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of questions out there. We know that to be true. So certainly fire your way. Uh, We will do our best. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, uh, where we're live streaming the event. You can also uh, join us via um, um, tweet or tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. It's the way you can join us. and We hope you hope hope you will take advantage of that when you can. So, listen, there's going to be some questions uh, as far as how did we do. Um I believe we missed two on both brackets, which considering what we were facing, I think was pretty darn good. I feared we were going to miss a lot more on the men's side. Um, The one that we debated the most on the men's side ended up getting in. But I think it's a little controversial because I don't know if the committee um, is truly aware of what's going on. when it comes to, um, I'm sorry, I get distracted with the links. Guys, I, I'm aware. I'll fix it. Um, I'm not sure if the committee stuck to their guns in the same way. So they bring in Oshkosh, really good SOS, certainly some quality wins. There were some reasons to bring them in. We debated it last night, and the only reason we cut it cut it out was below 667. Okay, so they brought them in. So be it, we got a new trend. However, bringing in St. Thomas concerns me a little bit because I think there are other teams with similar criteria, if not better criteria than St. Thomas, who had a decent SOS at 530, but so did some others. So why did St. Thomas get in maybe not on the strength of their SOS with a lower win-loss percentage than some other teams, yet Oshkosh got in not on the strength of the win-loss, obviously, but on the strength of their SOS? I, I think it contradicts each other. I could be wrong. We'll talk to Kevin Van Der later in the show about that and figure out why that may have happened. Um, I'm sure he'll have an interesting point of view on it, and we'll certainly look forward to hearing from him with what he says about it. Um, We'll also hear from the Women's Committee chair coming up as well. Uh, She will join us to talk about the uh, brackets, as it were. Um, I think the women did a pretty decent job. Uh, You know, I can hem and haw on a couple things, that is for sure. Um, but I'm looking forward to maybe seeing something, um, uh, hearing from her on some of the decisions. They ended up moving Calvin ahead of Cardigan E. Mellon in the end. I think that's uh, intriguing, to say the least. Um, um, You know, that now the debate is, you know, there's Bethel fans who want them to get in. I'm going to have to relook at Bethel's numbers, but, you know, George Fox got in. That was the other one we got wrong, which meant the committee decided to reward him despite the lack of three wins. I don't have a major problem with that. It certainly was on the verge if... If, if we played that game, I think George Fox would have been the pick. Um, the question becomes, you know, did Bethel then get to the table? Well, it also depends on when George Fox got picked. Um, Calvin gets in with a below 500 SOS, but it's below 500 by the scantest of margins. Um, so I think their win over hope certainly helped them. So I don't think that any of those arguments give Bethel's the nod, if that makes any sense. Um, but again, we're, we're going to talk to Bobby Morgan coming up on the show as well. We'll talk to Kevin Bandestreek overall. I think on the men's side, the bracket is rather fascinating. Um, a couple things that jumped out at me, they pay, it looks like they're paying for an extra flight to make sure Harden Simmons could stay home. Um, instead of trying to find a geographic one and and save a flight, um, the North, the way Whitman's bracket set up, they're either going to be able to be at home because everyone's going to be too far away from each other. Or if... Um, uh, Rochester and uh, Marietta stay close to each other. One of those two will host, meaning Whitman will travel, but nothing against the other teams. I think this is the first time the Northwest Conference has gotten um, a a truly winnable road to Salem, if that makes any sense. Um, It is yet to be proven. Whitman's going to have to get through the first weekend. They're going to have to face off against Whitworth again. But I think the Northwest Conference, in in as a whole, may have the one of their first truly winnable traditional brackets that we have. I think the last one might have been last one you could have made that argument at least get to Salem um, was the one we had the Atlanta year uh, when everything was thrown out pretty much. But um, this that that's what stood out with me in the bracketing, very diverse. I thought they they spread the wealth as much as they could. We have a couple times, for example, there was in the lower left hand corner we got a double New York State game and a double. was it Atlantic game, Atlantic region, or I might have the regions wrong. I'll call it up in a minute. Uh, I quickly had a chance to talk to Van uh, to coach Van earlier today. And basically they wanted and it was Northeast. That was, cause it was Tufts. They wanted to respect Tufts as being the top seed there, though, not being able to host um, because the women were hosting. And so they didn't want to give them St. Lawrence. They felt Salem state was a more respectful opponent considering Tufts' position in the regional rankings. I can understand that occasionally that's going to make you uh, end up having a, an odd fit there. We can probably hem and haw and figure out a better way to do that. But if that's the the worst complaint that we have in terms of bracketing, I think we're fine. Um, So, you know, again, on the men's and women's side, we both we missed two. If we had moved Calvin ahead of Carnegie Mellon on the women's side and we had thought about that and we did it, would have been different for us? Maybe. I think we still left George Fox out. So we probably still would have missed one. We tend to miss one or two on the women's side. We've only had one perfect pick on the men's side. That was two years ago. We missed two on this side, and that came down to the Oshkosh. And honestly, Oshkosh, miss, missing that could have derailed us for four picks. So the fact that we only missed two, I think, is, is pretty good. It it comes down to, you know, very uh, close on all these decisions. Um, I think the Oshkosh one's the most fascinating, and we'll certainly talk to the Coach about that. Um If you've got any questions, like I said, email us, tweet us, or whatever. Um, We will certainly try and take your questions as best we can. Uh, Coming up in a bit, Gordon Mann will join us, maybe some others, to to discuss the brackets and what we saw today. Um, We're probably going to be on air until about 6 p.m. Eastern time, which is a little over two hours. Um, Maybe a little longer, because the Men's Committee chair may not come on until about 5.45, so maybe about 6.30. Don't want to go too much later, to be blunt because i'm a little worn out (laughs) it's gordon's worn out uh, the rest of us are worn out and we've got a big weekend coming up next weekend as well so uh in this studio so we want to we want to make sure that we don't lose our mind um uh if you again so you got questions send them our way we'd love to hear from you and hope uh that we can answer your questions um and I'm trying to think if there's one thing that jumps out at me, I think the biggest is that it looks at least, especially on the men's side, that they really took care in the brackets. On the women's side, I think we saw signs. There's still some matchups I don't love. I think the challenge on the women's side is because we it, there's such a gap between the top and the really good teams and everybody else that you end up getting into some games that you don't love, but you don't have a choice Um, And I think you end up with some sacrificial lambs, and I hate to say that. Um, And I think it ends up with some ugly bracketing and and in the early weekend parts. But if you look at the overall structure here on the women's side, Amherst is clearly their number one. They're giving them a little bit of a nice guide, as it were, to try and get to to Calvin. Every other team is going to hit some road bumps. Thomas Moore in the second game of the weekend. It's either going to be Hope or Whitewater. Um, Wash U is not necessarily protected where they are. They're going to have a whole list of teams that they're going to have to go through. Um, in the upper right, Tufts is going to have some challenges. Uh, at least we separated Amherst and Tufts. I did appreciate that. Um, on the men's side, same deal. I, I don't think anybody's got an easy road, and I don't think we're going to be able to say anybody had an easy road to Salem. Um, the 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 regions are well-mixed, You know, the the Northeast is going to have to deal with the Mid-Atlantic and the Atlantic and maybe to some degree the Great Lakes. Um, There are geographic isolations. We've got no choice. But for the most part, I thought the committees did as much of a good job of balancing as they could. Now, that's having looked at a bracket this morning, rushingly looked through it to get ready for the, the, the bracket shows, getting another bracket while the other bracket shows on the air is being recorded. Um, doing the on air stuff, answering questions, preparing for the next anyway, I I haven't had a chance to dive as far into it as I'd like. But for the most part, I think it's it's a pretty solid bracket and good work. We're gonna nitpick, we always can. And it almost makes me think of like let's show, shows like Top Chef. When it gets down to the end, when you got a bunch of great chefs in there, you gotta eliminate somebody. Well, we can nitpick if we want to. Let's be honest. We really, really could. Um, and I think we will to some degree uh along those lines. Again, questions, email us, etc. Uh, just tuned in, so maybe just been discussed this. This is from Todd on Twitter. I know travel costs need to be kept down, but three Northwest schools in one pod seems like a shame. Well, welcome to Division Three basketball, to be blunt. Um, only once have they broken that up. Uh, it was back in 2013, I believe it was, when they shipped Whitman out. That was a year they kind of loosened up the purse strings a little bit, and in 2014 there was a lot of regret for that. We were into a major budget hole. Um, and so the budget strings have been loosened slightly, but they're pretty tight. You just, you can't justify it. Um, it's interesting that we got three teams. It has happened before. It's, it's not uncommon. It's going to happen again. Uh, Unless we can find some benefactor who's willing to pay for six, eight, 10 flights. (laughs) Um, because remember to fly Whitman out of there, let's say it's Whitman. Maybe it's George Fox. To fly one of them out of there, you have to fly somebody else in. So that's not a one-flight decision. That's a two-flight decision. Um, And so, but here's the thing. It's not like the Northwest is the only one that we see this effect. If you go to Texas, Trinity Texas has been removed from being able to host, even though they should. It's going to Texas-Dallas because Texas-Dallas and Hendricks are within a driving distance from each other. So Trinity's also getting an unfair deal here. And you could argue that Trinity and Texas-Dallas really shouldn't be facing off in the second round of the tournament. But they will. So, yes, the Northwest is unfortunate. Um, But if... And we saw the writing on the wall. If George Fox... We were saying last night, if we selected George Fox and they got in, that was a three-team pod. Plain and simple. Um, It is unfortunate that Whitman is going to play George Fox. But just because Whitman beat... Puget Sound did not trump that Puget Sound was the better team in the in the criteria. It was one win out of three games. So the criteria still favorites Puget Sound. Puget Sound rightfully should be the host of that game, of that weekend. And they will get um, UC Santa Cruz, not surprisingly. And we hey, we had to ship two teams out of out of California. We knew that was gonna happen. So, yes, it's unfortunate, but this is Division Three. And to some degree, it is exactly what we see in Division Three. Um, Whitman will play George Fox for the third time in two and a half or some odd weeks. Every time they've played the, uh, the team that lost the previous time won that time. So in that case, should we write George Fox in? I don't know. Whitman has a, made a nice run to the conference championship. So I expect to see them, um, certainly give George Fox a good game, but it is just the nature of, of, of the, of division three. And there's just nothing we can do about that. Um, let's see here. Uh, any other questions that are coming in? We're looking around to see if we're missing anything. Oh, I slid over one on my tweet deck, so there we go. Um, if you got a, you can also email us, at d 3 hoopscom Also on on um, our Twitter page, I know, gets somewhat popular. Oh, hold on a second. got to close a couple windows here so I can find what I'm looking for. Um, I know Twitter page gets some questions in there. Uh, how about the Hope men? You missed Hope. How did I m- miss Hope? um aviation uh says uh i asked yesterday about the men's team why do you think they didn't get into the bracket because their sos was barely above 500 and by barely above 500 it was really 500 504 505 it just wasn't a strong enough sos to get into the conversation um i think one thing that the committee has definitely said on the men's side is a, that that kind of sos is is dangerous um Women have been willing to go below that SOS. I think the difference when you look at it is the men's SOS has that weighted measure of home and away involved. And so they they understand that an above 500 SOS, what it truly means. Whereas I think on the women's side, the below 500 SOS, since it's not being weighted, is more in play, if that makes any sense. Um, and by below 500 SOS, Calvin got in with a 490 something. I mean, they were basically as close to 500 below it as Laterno was above it. But on the men's side of things, I, there's just no way Laterno was going to get in. If Laterno got in on that SOS, when Oshkosh got in on an SOS, that so it was a full point higher. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if they didn't let out. What I'm basically saying is, if they brought Oshkosh in basically on an SOS that was 600. Or well above 600. There's no way Laterno with a 505 is getting in. If they had left Oshkosh off with that, with a really good win loss, it still doesn't help Laterno's argument. The the SOS is massively off. Um, taking uh, Mount Saint Joseph is 20 and five with an SOS of 525, 530. They got left home. So if they're getting left home, and by the way, Laterno was behind them in criteria already. You would have needed a lot of teams to go before Letourneau would have had a shot. So Letourneau didn't have a shot. Um, that's pretty much where that came down to. Um, what are your thoughts on Newman? How far do you think they can go? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I'm glad to see that they're home. Uh, I think that is a, a good development for them. Uh, the funny thing is I just kind of realized I didn't have my darn brackets up in front of me, so I apologize. We'll, <laughs> we'll fix that here in short order. Um I, I like their bracket. Uh, there's nothing about it that that screams at me any issues. Um, let's see. They're hosting Nichols. Nichols' first time into the tournament. I think that's fine. Salisbury, I think that's a, a good second-round game potentially for Newman. And Endicott's on the other side. Now, I know some people in this pod are going to scream bloody murder about two Triple C teams sitting there. Committee's aware that they're both from the same conference. That was a conscious decision. Uh, I think Eastern Connecticut was kind of part of that conversation as well as to where they put everybody. We'll, we'll talk to the committee here, but I think it came down to, listen, just because you're from the same conference doesn't mean we necessarily have to protect you. Um, I mean, Newman and Cabrini are potentially the next round anyway. So, you know, I, I don't I don't have a major problem. I, I understand you could make some changes here, but if we move to Eastern Connecticut Connecticut, Connecticut, let's just make that argument. Is that necessarily any more fair? Um, I think the Eastern Connecticut MIT matchup is a little bit is is, is, is better, and Salisbury Endicott is better than Salisbury Eastern Con and and um, Endicott MIT. So, and then Nichols first time in wouldn't have made it in otherwise, you know, being a, a good spot there for Newman. Uh, Newman has the potential coming out of this weekend, but so does Salisbury, so does Endicott, so does Nichols. I, I think this is a very good middle of the road pod. Um, all four of those teams have something to prove, uh, and Newman's not necessarily guaranteed to come out of that on top. Salisbury versus Newman will be an outstanding game if it happens. And the cotton Nichols are going to have a lot to say about that. And then after that, Newman's in the Middlebury pod. They will go to Vermont if they were to get out of it. And most likely, I mean, I, I don't, see, I mean, Cabrini could maybe knock off Middlebury. Lyco could maybe do it, but the way Middlebury's playing, I don't see it happening. Uh, at least in gut, you know, initial reaction. So let's just say it's Middlebury. And Newman's got that. Now that is going to be a test for Newman. If Newman comes out of this, comes out of the Middlebury game, that's impressive. That's going to be that's going to be Cabrini-esque uh, back in the heyday. Impressive for Newman if they're able to pull that off. I'd, I'd be very impressed. Um, Let's see here. If you got any of the questions, let us know. Um, there will be chowder. That's what I think. What hold on? What's going on? I'm missing something here from Wags. Um, what do you think of the N NJAC or NJCU Skidmore BAPs and Huss Pod? Oh, Wags says it'll be chowder. Listen, uh, I will tell you now, Ira, if you're heading up there, a place you want to go, and I'll give a free shout out. And if there's if they're kind enough to to reciprocate by sending me some of their clam chowder, I'd appreciate it. But if you're heading to Boston, go to Legal Seafood. And get the clam chowder. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, it is my it is one of the 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 my top items of favorite foods in legal seafood clam chowder. Get it. It's awesome. As far as the bracket goes, <laughs> um, I kind of like this little this little group. Um, first off. Maybe Babson doesn't have as challenging a bracket if they had won the new Mac title. Maybe they replace Middlebury in the upper right. Um, but I think it's a good one here. Um Husson's at least relatively close at home for their Bangor main fans. I, I think that works for them. Would I have liked to see him go further? Sure, but pick your poison. <laughs> it's either Babson or, or Middlebury or maybe a little further south to Ramapo, if they can get to Ramapo. It wasn't going to be pretty for Husson. Um, Skidmore, New Jersey City, I I like it. That's uh, one of my circle games on Friday. Skidmore is a very good team in the tournament. They've got very good players. Uh, Vitkus is going to be outstanding, playing a very solid defensive team, which Skidmore is as well in New Jersey City. Um, And then the winner is potentially taking on Babson, no disrespect to Husson at all. I like that. And and what it does too is it does two, it does one big thing for either Skidmore New Jersey City. Are you that good? Let's prove it. First, you're gonna have to get by each other, and then you're gonna have to get past Spabson. And if you can do that, people were gonna are gonna turn their heads. That is a good test for both those teams. Yeah, I could see someone arguing, come on, that's not necessarily fair. Babson was one or two in the region, and those other two were five or sixers, right? Or, or three or fours. I'm fine with this matchup. I like it. I think it's a good one. And by the way, for Babson fans and Husson fans, you get a great little aperitif, as it were, to start things off on Friday night. I like that matchup. I like it a lot. Um, any other questions? I'll try and answer them as, as best I can. Um, <laughs> they're having some fun on on Twitter. What are your opinion? Uh, what are your opinion on Gustavus women? Um, they got a crappy draw. In your opinion, they can, uh, but can they make a run? They didn't get a crappy draw. Well, well, listen, I know you're making that argument, but I'm going to tell you, I don't see where else they were going to go. Um, it, it's not like Gustavus's numbers were earth shattering. Okay, they lost twice outstanding they lost twice to Saint Thomas so be it but it's not like the rest of their numbers were were blowaway type numbers that's you know if you're going to prove something that's not a bad place to prove it they weren't gonna host that there's first off they weren't one of the top two in the west region that's the first argument they weren't they hadn't beat St Thomas they weren't going to get past puget Sound furthermore if they had gotten past puget Sound in the regional rankings and I haven't seen them yet uh, what those final regional rankings were Puget Sound's in the Northwest, so that that host is gone. Furthermore, it's not like they're located in a place you can get a lot of teams to them. Who are you going to drive to Gustavus Adolphus, by the way, that you're not driving to St. Thomas? So Gustavus Adolphus' chance at hosting? None. They played the Paw. That's a good 2-3 game right there in in those mini pods. Um, Remember, not 2-3 in the national scope of things. I'm talking smaller pods. I like that. And at WashU, go prove yourself. I, I like that too. I think it's at WashU. I might be wrong on that one. Um, so I don't have a I, I don't have a major issue um, with that with for Gustavus. Yeah, it's a tough draw, but I don't think Gustavus did necessarily anything to just say, "Oh, we should get an easy draw." I don't, and it's no disrespect to Gustavus. It's just that here's my argument. If they had beaten St. Thomas once, I think the argument is there. But here's the other problem. We have geographics involved. They're in, they're coming from a part in the country. They're going to run into a juggernaut. It was either going to be Oshkosh um, or it was going to be Wash U or whatever. But I mean, let's. I don't even think they can get to Oshkosh within 500 miles. I could be wrong. We'll check it out right now. Actually, I, I mean, maybe they can. Um, I misspelled it. There we go. Um,. They could have gotten to Oshkosh, but then that might—or maybe that's—but that then trumps—maybe that is where they're going. Sorry, I don't literally—you know what? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to find the—I'm going to find my uh, bracket another way. Sorry, I've lost it online. I'm, I'm trying to look it up now, so here we go. I've got my bracket another way. So I'm looking for Gustavus, right? Um, Well, maybe not. It doesn't like me. There we are. All right. So, DePaul, yeah, they're at Oshkosh. I apologize. So, they're at, I had them confused with Wash U, who's in the bracket below them. So, they're playing DePaul. They're at Oshkosh. So, it's very winnable. They beat DePaul. So, be it. They're either playing Oshkosh or Calvin. I don't have a problem with that. They could have been shipped to Wash U. There's not many places Gustavus was going to get to. Does that make sense? Um. So, I don't have a major issue there. Another question. This is my first year really watching games all year. I hear all the transportation costs affect the bracket as opposed to D1. Yeah, please do not compare to D1. Be interesting to see if they use the same criteria as D1 about the brackets would look like. If what would the brackets look like if they use the criteria D1? We'd have the we'd have the brackets of dreams if they use D1 stuff. But we don't have neutral sites, which D1 is full of. We don't have endless amounts of money to pay for hotel rooms for three nights for four teams, let alone. Um, the, the ones we're paying for already. We don't have endless amounts of money for flights to get teams to wherever the heck we want to. It'd be very interesting to see what we could use if we used D1's mentality. But here's the thing. D1's mentality is used in one place and one place only. D1 basketball. D1 basketball. Notice I didn't say D1. D1 basketball. Maybe D1 baseball. Because they bring in the money. They're the money revenue drivers of the NCAA. No, football's not a money dra- revenue for the NCAA. The money revenue primarily is basketball, baseball, maybe softball. Ball. So they can do what they want with their money. We're getting a percentage of that. And so this is what we live with. This is what the rest of the division lives with. It's what Division II lives with to some degree. The division II selects our teams based on regions to keep things equal. We, we're not doing that anymore, at least. And in Division One, some of their tournaments are very geographical as well. Another tidbit uh, is that Middlebury seems to have a good shot, picked on a reasonable path, and probably will play at home. Yep, as I said on the NCAA bracket show, uh, Middlebury's men are in a very good position to get uh, to Salem by staying at home. However, I would not say that they're they're protected or they're completely safe. I, I think they took the number one in the region, which makes perfect sense to me, and that's why they're in the upper right. They're protected more than Babson is for good reason. Um But they're going to have some tests in there. Williams is in there. Scranton and Oswego, if they get on a run, could be dangerous. Susquehanna's there. MIT has proven to be a a big team killer. Newman's in there. So it's not going to be scot-free for Middlebury, but it's going to be fascinating to watch to say the least. Got a contribution on the Hoopsville uh, campaign. Thank you so much. Got two of them here just in the last few minutes. I certainly appreciate it from those of you who've donated. If you can donate more, and more of you can donate, we would certainly appreciate it as well. Going to check around, see if we got more questions before maybe we take a break here. Um, what are your thoughts on Marietta-Calvin game? Um, Marietta's got to watch, but they don't uh, did not do what they did last year, and that is... Um, not be prepared to play. Now, I know there was an injury involved in that, but, you know, they also weren't really ready for Gwenton and Mercy. They got to take Calvin seriously. Calvin's been a bit of a streaky team, but they've been a good team, despite what some of their fans would like to say. Uh, Hope when, you know, beating Hope for the championship says a lot to me. Um, they need to be smart. Absolutely need to be smart. Um, how about those Cavs, Dave? Back in the dance. I'm sure Mr. Chris pasaski is smiling. Love the world. Uh, Cabrini-esque. Um, yeah, congratulations to Gabrini. Certainly earned their way in despite a loss to Quinn and Mercy in the semis. We had predicted them last night as well. Um, I really think I really think they're, they're they're a good team. I don't think they're as good as they were back in the day. I think they are more exposed. Uh, if they get out of the first weekend, to be honest with you, I think I might be surprised, and, and that's not a knock on them. I, they've got a tough bracket. Um, they'd have to get past Middlebury. Right. I mean, and like is not going to be easy for Cabrini either. That's a terrific first round game up at Middlebury, Lyco and Cabrini with two teams uh, and one and one. Both conferences want to prove something. Um, and I, I love that matchup. Um, so, yeah, not not overly surprised, but I'm looking forward to seeing what may happen out of there. Uh, Looking around to see if we got more questions. Tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, (laughs) Zach Snyder, I love you. I tweeted out that the show was on the air. Zach says, A.K.A. the show where Dave has to explain yet again how the D3 tournament works. You know what? I almost ought to, like, record segments and just re-air them and save my voice. You may notice my voice is a little worn out. Being sick last week has not helped this weekend at all. Lou, you are welcome. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I would definitely agree with that statement, Zach. And, and Zach, tip of the hat to you for that, sir. I really appreciate it. Um, let's see here. Trying to see if we got more tweets. If you have them, send them to us. If there are any team reactions like we got from the, the Corsairs, let us know as well. I try and follow Twitter as much as I can, but on a day like today, it is insane. Does Ramapo get out of the weekend? Ramapo better get out of the weekend. Um, I think this is set up for Ramapo to make a statement. Uh, if Ramapo can't get out of this weekend, then we've got a problem in the NJAC. The knock on the NJAC the last, let's say, it 10 years has been that it's as good as it is in the regular season. It never proves itself in the, reg- in the postseason, right? Stockton's the only team to get out of the first weekend, yet get out of the first, first round in 10 years. Ramapo has had it set up on a tee for them numerous years and they have yet to hit it. And I understand governor Christie had something to do with it a few years ago, but that's in the grand scheme of things, not an excuse. You have to win the games when they're put in front of you. I think this is right for the taking for Ramapo. And if they do not take advantage of it, we're going to be right back into this conversation of going, what up? And here's why I think it's right for the taking nothing against Misericordia. Cordia. But Misericordia has not seen a team like Ramapo. The problem with Ramapo is they can't play down to Misericordia. If Ramapo can be smart, be good at home, they can roll through that. Amherst and Keene State's on the other side. And I understand that that sounds daunting. But if Ramapo's as good as advertised at 25 wins and at that point 26, they should be able to handle Amherst. It's not a knock on Amherst. Amherst is eight and six since we turned the page of 2017. It's not like Amherst isn't beatable, right? So if Ramapo is as good as advertised, I think the committee has done a good job of saying, go take it. If it if you want it, go take it. So they can get out of the weekend and then they're on the other side of Swarthmore. If this isn't, if this isn't set up, well, with Christopher Newport potentially, if this isn't set up for a Ramapo-Christopher Newport game, I mean, this is an outstanding opportunity for both these units. Somebody's going to be disappointed. Yes, but I expect Rambo to get out of the weekend. If they cannot get out of the weekend, I'm going to be disappointed in the Roadrunners. I know that sounds unfair with Amherst on the other side, but I think Amherst is beatable. And I think they're beatable by more than NESCAC teams. So we'll see uh, what else that could be, but uh, that's my thought. I think Ramapo can get can get out of the weekend. Um, interesting stat: Calvin men's basketball has won their first round game the last six trips to the NCA tournament, folks. Marietta fans, get your ears perked. Calvin has won the first round game the last six times they've appeared in the NCA tournament. <laughs> that's a great stat. Great stat. Uh, I'm looking around to see if we got more questions. Uh, I hope I got that one answered for you. May take a break here just to save my voice and get going on some other topics. Still looking around for more questions. Uh, What are your thoughts about Middlebury from Newman and what makes him so tough? I'm assuming, Tom, you're asking what about Middlebury from a Newman's point of view What makes him so tough. But clarify for me, Tom. Are you asking about Middlebury and Newman or or Middlebury from a Newman point of view? What what exactly are you asking there for? Uh, Just let me know. Um, Newman versus Middlebury book it. I think it could possibly be Newman Middlebury. I just think Newman's got a, a weekend there that anybody's got a chance at it. Um, again, if you've got questions, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can tweet us at d 3 hoops or join us on Facebook at Facebook Hoopsville, we're also on YouTube, and we hope you're enjoying the show. We'll talk to the committee chairs coming up later in the program. Uh, Gordon Mann will join us to me later, though I know he's working on some issues on the back end of the website, so we'll let him do those um, when he's got that opportunity. Um, on that note, we're going to take a quick break just to catch our breath, and we'll be back to answer more of your questions. You'll listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville bracket special after this.
2: My name is Marcus Walker. I was all state, won a state championship, a high school All American and play college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Defining moments, championship dreams, Share the experience with your family and friends. The 2017 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 17th and 18th at the Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets for your tickets today.
1: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
3: Great moments are born from great opportunity.
0: That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight.
3: This is your time. Now go
0: out there and take it. And I'm back, hello. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Lots to talk about, and we hope that you, uh, you will join us somehow, some way. If you've got questions, we will certainly try and answer them. Normally we've thrown some uh, coaches into this show on Mondays. I'll be honest, it was, it's hard to do that. Um, but we will do our best. Um, or I should say it's hard to do when we're trying to schedule it out. So that's why we don't have them today. Um, but we'll certainly do our best um, on Thursday to get a lot of our go- coaches on. We will get the committee chairs. Both coach or one of the coaches has got a team in the in the tournament. the other one does not. Um, you may have already answered, I signed off for a sec. What do you think of uh, Northwestern can they pull an upset over Whitewater? Well, if there's one team we will never discount, it's Northwestern. Uh, If anybody remembers, they have given a few teams in the first round a a run for their money and even beaten St. Thomas, one of the biggest upsets in tournament history. So, yeah, I'd give Northwestern a chance against Whitewater. The only thing about Whitewater that I've been concerned about much of the season is I can't get a read on them. Um, I know they started the season strong, but they did not exactly have a lot of competition or tough competition. We're so used to a better strength of schedule, and at the beginning of the season, it didn't seem to be there. They had hit the Wyack and stumbled in their first three games. They've certainly got back on their feet, but they, you know, they've been inconsistent to some degree. um So I, yes, I think Northwestern's going to have a chance. But if Whitewater is as good as others would argue they are, uh, I don't see Northwestern winning that. But again, that's why they play the games. But We've seen Northwestern nearly pull this off almost every year, so I'm not going to jump and say ain't going to happen. I don't think that's fair. I don't think it, it will definitely help. Um, looks like five flights for second weekend on women's right side, only tough grant within 500 miles of each other. I didn't see it that way, but I'll certainly look at it. Um, yes, I do know the upper right is screaming flights. Clearly the committee will talk to the committee chair about that because – Tom, St. Thomas, Guilford, Puget Sound, and, Te- and Trinity and Texas, Dallas are not close to each other. I think they, this is how they're taking care of some of the isolations out there. We've had that before. Um, remember when Christopher Newport upset, I think it was LaGrange or was it LaRoche? LaGrange. Um, we couldn't go to Thomas More as predicted. We ended up going out to, uh, I think it was Puget Sound or was it George Fox? George Fox. Um, so certainly I, I see four flights there. I don't see a problem there. Uh, I think that was coming. As far as the other side, yeah, that's fascinating too. Tufts and Scranton. But here's the thing. Tufts and Scranton, if they move on, it will guarantee that there's uh, that's where it will be hosted. Uh, what it is definitely screaming out loud to us is that the NCA has loosened that purse string a little bit. That might anger those in the Northwest. But here's the deal. They loosen the purse string for variety throughout the tournament, not to just have carte blanche flights. If we took care, again, if those were two flights out there, we're, we need some flights somewhere else. Um, if you look at this bracket, there's not a lot of options that aren't going to mean some flights in the second weekend. As women's basketball's gotten stronger, that's what happens. The the committee, the the liaison, especially on the women's side, we've seen them get cut down in the past. Wouldn't just carte blanche allow flights if it didn't? Uh, if it just wasn't going to need to happen? Um, let's see here. Um, I thought I saw another question with low win loss penalty. Maybe uh, Eau Claire. Oh, this is an ongoing conversation that I just can't get into. How far do you project Puget Sound to advance? Uh, well, Lee, I mean that's always hard. Um, I, 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 they should get out of the weekend if they're as good as advertised. I know that means taking on the rest of the Northwest and Whitman and George Fox, and then I think you got a, a potentially a massive game between Puget Sound and Trinity, or Puget Sound and Texas Dallas, barring any upsets. Um, Honestly, Puget Sound's going to earn it, plain and simple. They're going to they're going to play Santa Cruz, which may not seem like a big deal, but we don't know a lot about Santa Cruz. Uh, they're then going to play a conference foe who knows them well in the second round. They're then going to play Trendy Texas or Texas Dallas, unless there's an upset in the third round, and then they're probably going to get either Guilford, maybe Albright, yeah, you know, Chicago or St. Thomas in the next round. If Puget Sound gets to to Grand Rapids, they will have earned it. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable saying I know how far Puget Sound's going to go here because I think there's some intriguingly good matchups all the way through. And I have a, I said on the a little awkwardly on the live show or on the bracket show that the best teams are only vulnerable to the best teams. Well, Puget Sound's going to face a lot of best teams, and we'll see if it makes them vulnerable. Um, my gut feeling says that Sweet 16 game is going to be epic. If they get past that, the Elite Eight game is going to be insane. We're going to have some good second weekend basketball on the women's side, I figure. I think we're going to have some really good basketball. Um, I thought I saw another question, so I'm looking back over my shoulder just to confirm. Hope women have a tough pot at St. Thomas against Whitewater. Intrigued by your thoughts? Um, Yeah, they do. Plain and simple. And, And I think two reasons here. One... The one thing we kind of saw a while back when we're looking at the Great Lakes was it was going to be very hard for the Great Lakes teams to avoid each other based on geography. There's only so many teams we can get to so many places. Um, and so, you know, Hope was in a position to maybe host, maybe not host. I think there's a lot going on there. But Hope losing the last two games put them in this situation, to be blunt. Um if they lose two out of three, maybe they're not in as bad a position. You know, I meaning getting to the conference championship and losing there instead. But I think losing the last two games had them plummet in the regional rankings and set up a scenario where they've got to, um, uh, they've got to, they, they kind of have to. They're getting a tough matchup here. Whitewater losing in the semifinals also set that up. What I like here is that we got some variety. Whitewater going to Thomas Moore is nice. Uh, Hope going to Thomas Moore is nice. What I also think about that is that Thomas Moore is not being protected. It's not a bad thing necessarily. I think it's a test. Um, I think that's a legitimate test, and I think that's f- I'm fine with that. It's going to be a, t- a tough second-round game no matter who Thomas Moore faces. Assuming Thomas Moore gets round one. No disrespect to their opponent, but the way Thomas Moore has played basketball over the years, I will take my bet on that one. Um, let's see here. Well, the odds is Oswego can make a deep run and hopefully win. Uh, Oswego's its own worst enemy. they got a great player in Brian Sortino. But this season has shown me that sometimes... They're not all there. And it's nothing against a shot at at Jason Leone or squad. I I like them. I liked them at the beginning of the season. And they started the season lousy. And late in the season, when I think they were in position to to dominate the East and even be a host, they went two and two in two weeks. Um, or in, in really in one week and two weekends. I think they're their own worst enemy. That said, if you look at what they've got uh, to deal with. Um, they're going to have some challenges, but it's, it's, it's winnable for them. Scranton's an enigma. I've seen Scranton and I know the Royal fans are going to lose their mind, but I wasn't exactly blown away with Scranton. You could argue I didn't, I, I saw him if, you know, was it mid, mid January or so, but even watching video, I'm not blown away by Scranton. What I'm impressed by Scranton. Is that they were able to beat Susquehanna twice. So I don't know if that's a matchup thing or what, but you know, they've got, you know, they beat Susquehanna twice. They earned that landmark conference championship, and they jumped to number two in the region. They were sixth in week one and went to number two. That's pretty impressive. I think they will have trouble with Brian Sortino. I don't know on anybody on Scranton's team off the top of my head who's going to be that good a defender on Sortino. I don't think they've seen any player like Brian Sertino. That's why I favor Oswego here. Now, this game should have been at Scranton, and Scranton certainly would have maybe had the added benefit of that, but being that it's an odd year numbers-wise, this is going to us. This is the Scranton host had to go to Williams. What I really find interesting is Oswego's going to have to potentially play Williams at Williams, and Williams is on a roll recently. Is Williams overrated? I don't know. The NESCAC was deep this year. And as many pointed out, remember NESCAC getting five teams in. What the NESCAC did do that no one's given them credit for is all of their teams won non-conference games. It's not like Amherst or Williams or Middleburg or so-and-so went out there and scheduled some, you know, games that were winnable to boost their SOS. They all scheduled games that they all won. We're talking eight teams worth of good wins um i i oswego's got its hands you know this is a good bracket for oswego they got to prove themselves i like it i like it i'm not i i I think this is good for them um tom i know you keep asking me i assume you said i think we have a good squad just curious how far you think we go i assume you're a newman fan and wondering how they'll do against middleware i think newman's Middlebury has handled some really good teams this year. And by handled, I mean it wasn't a game. Blew them out. Uh, I think Newman's going to find a beast in Middlebury, especially if that game's in Vermont, which it should be. Um, You say all the host schools in the top left bracket win this weekend. Where do you think the next weekend will go on the men's side? Uh, You know, that's a really good question. If all the top seeds go, it will probably go to to, um, Marietta. Um, because they are the highest-ranked team of the four um, that you can get a bus to. Rochester can get to Marietta. So most likely that means Whitman, Harden, Simmons, Marietta, uh, and Rochester all in Marietta. It is a small little town in southern Ohio, folks. Um, But that would be an awesome weekend of basketball. Um, There's an outside chance it would go to Rochester, Um, Rochester could arguably maybe is the top seed in the East though. They lost that loss to Emory is what's got me concerned. Rochester's got a better SOS. So there's also a chance it goes to Rochester. Rochester would be easier to fly into. That is for sure. The only way it gets to Whitman and or Harden Simmons, in my opinion, obviously it's going to Whitman. The only way I see that happening is if Rochester is upset by Albertus Magnus um, or Wesleyan, or Marietta is upset by Calvin or Guilford, because then we removed the 500 miles becomes murky, and then it's going to Whitman. I, well, let me put it this way: it better go to Whitman, but that it's going to take some upsets to do that. And by the way, if there's two teams who are right for upsets. It's Marietta and it's Rochester. Why do I say that? Marietta was upset in the first round last year, and they got exposed midseason. They've got, they have got—they are not a perfect team. They absolutely got exposed in the middle of the season. And if teams see that and figure it out, it's going to be interesting. Rochester is showing they can be beat. Emory beat them. They, they, they're, they're struggling down to the end just as they did last year. So if there's two teams that could be upset, that sets up a weekend going to Whitman, Those are the two teams. It's almost like a little joke from the committee without them realizing it. Um, Let's see here. Uh, I saw another question. I want to get back to it if I can. Um, Do you like Keene State men's pick, Sweet 16 last year? Well, we picked them. Um, I I don't mind the pick. Uh, I think their numbers were a little gaudy, to be honest with you. I don't think they were as good as last year, but I think the Northeast – had some pretty gaudy numbers, thanks in part to to the NESCAC, but I think it, it's good. I think that's a good first-round game for them, too. I have no problems with that. I mean, would I like, not, or like to not have a Northeast-Northeast game? Yeah, but we had so many Northeast teams, and I think it was a little bit hard to, to avoid. I certainly don't think Ramapo deserved to have Keene State or Amherst as their first-round game. I think Missouri-Accordia is the right team in the right spot there. Um. Keen State could pull the upset because we know they can, but I think Amherst might win that one and then set up that game with Ramapo I was talking about earlier. See if we got any other questions here. Um, can you talk about Whitman's men's path through the Elite Eight? Obviously, beating Whitworth again will be a tough. So yeah, I didn't talk as I was just talking about the chance of them hosting. I didn't really talk about Whitman. Whitman's gonna have to get past Whitworth for the fourth time this season, um, assuming they get past Rhodes. Um, they can't look past Rhodes just because you got to be smart here. Beating a team fourth time is going to be hard, but they've certainly handled Whitworth. But Whitworth's going to be out for, for, for blood because, remember, Whitman did this to Whitworth last year. Whitman knocked off Whitworth in almost the exact same position, and they would love to do it in return the favor. That fourth game is going to be a slugfest. Um, I don't think Whitman's guaranteed into the next weekend. In Elite Eight, I don't even think they're guaranteed in Elite Eight because Harden Simmons – If you have not watched Harden Simmons, you are missing one of the most dynamic basketball players and most incredible teams in the country. Nathaniel Jack is an amazing player, and no one has an answer for Nathaniel Jack. And does Whitman have enough size inside to to handle the other guys like Jones for, for Harden Simmons? Harden Simmons is a deeper, better, and more talented team than I think people give him credit for. I like Harden Simmons. I've liked Harden Simmons the entire season despite a rough start when they were not fully healthy. There's guys who've had the early part of the season off might be in really good shape for this. Trick for Harden Simmons is they can't look past an Emory or Texas. you know. Emory might be a real tough test for Harden Simmons, but Harden Simmons Whitman will be a battle. A real battle. Uh let's see here if there's other questions. Um when did the Odac become a one bid, one league bid or one team league? Yeah, uh, Ryan Scott answered it on Twitter last year. Remember Lynchburg was the only team in last year, and the only way they were going a second was if Randolph pulled the upset. Guilford was or uh, Odac was screaming one bid league unless Guilford lost as well. Uh, nothing against the Odac; it is a competitive, it is a very good conference. It absolutely is. It's just that the top isn't as good or as competitive as it has been, and I think. The middle has soured a little bit, too. And I think you can point to Randolph-Macon. Randolph-Macon being in first place in the conference for as long as they were and up in that conversation, Randolph-Macon's a good team, but they're not that good. They're they're good next year. Watch out for them next year. This year was kind of a retooling, rebuilding year, and they were at the top of the conference. Guilford's up there, and they're also taking hits. And, And I'm not saying the conference isn't competitive at all. But if this is a two- or three-bid league, there are two or three teams who are dominating. Virginia Wesleyan was not that competitive this year. If they're competitive and it's them and Guilford pulling away from the rest, then it's a two-bid league. If Randolph-Macon, like next year, is really good and it's a three-bid team or three-team league, it doesn't mean the middle and the bottom aren't still competitive. It's just that the top kind of came down. The middle has soured a little bit, and it just goes through cycles. Remember the Wyacos of a one-bid league last year? It goes through cycles. Um, uh, CCIW, uh, it was a two-bid league this year, but one would argue we're used to three. So it happens, and I'm not overly surprised by that in any way, shape, or form. Um, let's see if there's any other questions on the Twitter, and then I'll go check out some of the other things. Uh, then we'll take a break, maybe we'll get uh, Wags in here to react initially, check our email, make sure we didn't get any questions there, and we do. I'm um, relatively new to this and wanted to say you do a great job. Well, thank you, Ethan. I know that you're a, not a big fan of the NEAC conference, great Gall- Gallaudet grad here. Well, thank you, Ethan. I might have to answer this uh, via email, though, but I did hear... Some good props of Morrisville for some recent success. Is there an issue with the conference at a top bottom situation, a weak type, or typically very weak to middle bottom? I know that Lancaster Bider was quite competitive last year during the regular season in their opening game, and Morrisville had a couple of 20 Sweet 16 appearances recently. Um, uh, Ethan, if you can hear this, I'll answer it. Otherwise, I'll try and remember to email you. Um, The NEAC is really poor middle and bottom. Uh, They have some teams at the top who have risen and done well. Morrisville State's gotten to the Sweet 16 a couple times. Lancaster Bible got to the second round last year after a miraculous season, suffering their first loss in the second round. And the top teams always seem to at least make a flash and a splash, and it's nice to see. But after the first team or the second team, nothing to write home about. Um, the Niacs a very poor conference in terms of, of competitiveness and in terms of, of of talent and skill. Maybe that's changing, but that's where they are right now. Any idea what we can find uh, locations of the second-round women's games? Um, second-round women's games are at the host of the first-round games, so that's that's pretty sar- simple. The weekend games are at whoever they are is hosting those games. So, for example, Amherst is hosting Regis, Mary Washington, and Sage Colleges. Second-round game is in is in Amherst. Uh, The the hosts are based on a weekend set, so your hosts for the weekend are Amherst, FDU Florin, Montclair, Ithaca, Ohio Northern, SUNY Geneseo, Christopher Newport, Thomas Moore, Washington, WashU, Wisconsin, Oshkosh, Scranton, Tufts, Texas, Dallas, Puget Sound, Guilford, St. Thomas, win or lose. Greg asks, thoughts on Benedictine? I follow uh, Central pretty closely and think Benedictine is under the radar. They the lost uh, Lucas Johnson from last year's team. They're balanced and talented, however tough to get out of the River Falls pod. River Falls is very difficult to play. Talented, relentless effort. Uh, yeah, Benedictine's under the radar. I can appreciate that. I remember sitting at the championship game and Ryan Scott turning to me and going, huh, they pretty much bring everybody back next year. Yeah, I think they're underrated. Uh, underrated. They're going to have a tough pod here, but I think that's about right. I, I don't have a problem with it. It's tough with their criteria to protect them. Um, so I think going through that's going to be tough. They're going to have a tough game with Wartburg to start with, and they're going to have River Falls, and that's going to be an awesome second-round game. And if Benedictine is off the radar, they'll beat River Falls. If they're not off the radar – or they'll at least give River Falls a heck of a game. If they're not on the ra- if they're off the radar for a reason, River Falls should be able to dispatch them. I think that's a good test for Benedictine to prove maybe they're better than people think they are. Agree. Whitewater is difficult to predict. They started slow, incorporating two D1 transfers. They have size and shooting, but little focus on defense. I'll tell you now, defense is important. Another question from Frank. What do you think of Benedictine? Great year, tough draw with River Falls in round two. Talk a little Midwest basketball if you can. Yeah, again, I think Benedictine's a good team. Um, I don't see a reason. I mean, here's the deal. The reason they're in this boat with River Falls is their criteria isn't great, and then they lost a couple games they shouldn't have this year. If, they're, if they were as good as last year, and I'm not talking to the extent of going undefeated because they had a great non-conference schedule that was going to be a test, but they should have gone through the conference undefeated. Um, I think losing that, a game in the conference hurt them criteria-wise. Um, and maybe they aren't heading to River Falls here. You know, you know, Whitewater isn't necessarily fair, but they could have gone there or they could have been the host for a Wash U pod, for example. Um, but I, I think they're in the right spot for what their criteria is screaming at us. If they are as good as, we, as many would argue they are, which I totally understand the argument, then in that case Benedictine will get through this and surprise River Falls. Um, but that's what happens when you lose a game or two here that you shouldn't lose. Plain and simple. Um, let's see here. Uh, any other questions? I believe there were. I thought I saw another email. Nope. Uh, I'll check another thing. And we'll take a break. Um, yeah, Mike asked one more question. They pull ups uh, One last question. They pull upsets, but what do they have to do to pull this one? Uh, he's talking about Keen. Well, they're going to have to dictate the tempo and the, and the style of play against Amherst. They can't let Amherst control things. Um, if Amherst is able to play with, with, with their guard play and their inside presence and control things and especially control Keen on defense, keen has got probably no chance. One thing I've noticed with Amherst, I don't know why, but I feel like they get exposed inside and I could be wrong. Maybe somebody from who knows Amherst because they watch him every day could tell me better. But when I've watched Amherst, I'm not blown away with inside game and, and I feel like they get exposed. Babson is a tough game to compare him with because that's when Amherst was playing well, but then, you know, they, they struggled in, in 2017. And every time I watched him, especially in losses, I just, there was something about him that didn't blow me away. I couldn't put my finger on it, but there's something about the inside game to me just it didn't seem to click. I, and maybe I'm misreading him. Uh I might be misreading. I mean, I've, I've struggled with Amherst for a couple weeks now, trying to, Get a grip on what they do or aren't doing, and and and. But I again, and it's kind of a cop out answer I can appreciate. But if Keen can control things, if if they are able to slow Amherst down and get him out of rhythm on 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 their offensive side, I don't think Amherst has answers. Uh, Coach Hickson's one of the best in the country. He'll certainly make adjustments, but I haven't seen Amherst when taken out of their rhythm or taken out of what they want to do offensively able to adjust this year or at least adapt like they need to. Um, defensively, you're going to have to score. Keene State's going to have to score on the offensive end to force Amherst into a, into some changes defensively. Um, they can't just stop Amherst on the offensive end and then not worry about offense. This can't be a defensive slugfest for for Keene State to win because Amherst does have a few weapons that can hit the right shot, but then, and they can play defense. Keen's going to have to do some stuff on the offensive end um, to to warrant Amherst falling apart. Um, say all host schools in the top left. Okay, A very small gym, though. Thanks for the response. Um, who has a small gym, William? I know you were talking about the upper left, but who's got the small gym? Marietta, Rochester? Yeah, they, none of them have huge gyms, but they all have plenty of seating. Uh, they're all above the minimums um there's no problems that i can see in hosting scenarios unless there's some upsets we don't see in the future for example well albertus magnus isn't going to host but their their gym's too small for the second weekend um so marietta's got a one-sided gym but it's plenty big um rochester's got the palestra still plenty big um uh, yeah there's no and then ha- harden simmons and Whitman's gyms are certainly in, in in good shape. I don't I don't see a problem there. Um got a couple more questions, then we'll take another break. Uh sorry, I meant locations of the sectionals. Hold on, John. I gotta find you. <laughs> oh, sectional weekend. Uh we'll technically find out on Sunday after the games are complete. But we can we can kind of read the tea leaves. Uh the way the NCA does it, the teams on the upper part are your usual hosts. Um, or, or or top ranked. So Amherst is in the running, would be in the running to host. Um, Ithaca, Montclair, and FDU could all get there, plus everybody else who's in the bracket can get to them. In the upper right, St. Thomas is the one that's in that weird one that will require flights. Um, by the way they're doing it here, St. Thomas would be the host, though I wouldn't be surprised if Puget Sound or Trinity made an argument for it. I'd have to look at the data. But St. Thomas being undefeated, I have a feeling, and I may have said something different here, that St. Thomas would host Guilford, Puget Sound, and Trinity. In the lower left, Ohio Northern's got the better numbers here, and I, and I find this interesting because um, Thomas Moore has been ahead of Ohio Northern most of the way, and Christopher Newport can't get to Ohio Northern. They can get, no, they can't get to Thomas Moore, Mm, we got an interesting one here. I think Christopher Newport, yeah, they can get to Geneseo. Oh, I kid you not. If those four came out, I think Geneseo becomes the host. If Ohio Northern, Geneseo, Newport, and Thomas Moore came out of that weekend, Geneseo very well could be hosting. That is a fascinating consideration right there, folks. And it's based on geographics. Because I know Christopher Newport can't get to Ohio Northern. I know Christopher Newport can't get to Thomas Moore. I'm quite confident Christopher Newport can get to Geneseo because I know Christopher Newport can get to Oswego and Geneseo's closer. So, and then I'm, and then I know, almost I'm willing to bet Ohio Northern and Thomas Moore can bust to Geneseo. So Geneseo is looking like the host in the lower left if everything remained equal. And in the right, you got Tufts, Scranton, Oshkosh, and WashU. We were just talking about how this... Looks like it's probably going to go to Tufts, considering the fact— uh, now, there's a caveat, and I'll get to that in a minute— but Tufts, because Scranton is probably not ranked higher than Tufts, and Oshkosh and WashU are going to have to fly anyway. However, men take priority. So the Tufts men came out and were in position to host, and I don't know if they are, but if they were, Tufts women would not be able to host. It would make, maybe go to Scranton, again, depending on some upsets. Uh, Can you talk about Rochester's pod? Do you know much about their first couple of games? Um, Men or women? (laughs) Men or women? Um, uh, Back to the Benedictines said their first loss in conference was against Concordia, Wisconsin, a team that is on the rise. They have had another battle with them yesterday. Yes, I understand they're on the rise. I'm not discounting the fact that they lost. What I'm saying is if you wanted a better situation for them, they couldn't lose. So if you want to have a situation where Benedictine's going to play a better team or go to a better spot, or maybe he's a recipient of the hosting in a WashU pod because Wash U, U can host, they, they needed to win that game. That's what I'm saying is that loss is what's hurting them on the criteria is all I'm saying. I'm not knocking Concordia, Wisconsin, and I'm not saying they're not an up-and-coming team. I get that, but that's what's hurting Benedictine gonna take another break when we come back we'll answer more of your questions working our way to seeing a committee chair here soon may even get one of the guys on the show to join us as well you listen to hoops presented by d3hoops.com from the wbca and abc studios
4: i used to never really talk ever Uh, i was afraid if i said something wrong everyone would laugh at me
3: but then i started to play golf with special olympics It helped me to find my voice.
4: And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports, and what we can still love about college sports. At George Fox University, our promise is that every student will be known, personally, academically, and spiritually. To be known means professors and staff know you by name. It means you're valued, encouraged, and challenged. It means we'll listen to you and with you as you pursue God's call in your life. At George Fox University, you will never be a number. You will be known. Visit georgefox.edu to learn more.
1: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com.
0: So, hey, welcome back to Hoopsville. If you got questions for us about the brackets. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Um, join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash You can also tweet us at D3Hoopsville.com or hashtag Hoop. So all that information scrolling at the bottom of your screen, there is a YouTube chat room. I'll certainly do my best uh, if I can there. Uh, update. So we, I was talking about um, the uh, the lower left po- bracket of the women's side saying Geneseo might host because Christopher Newport could get there. Turns out, I'm mistaken, it's 5.09, so it's going to take a flight. So we now have two pods on the women's side. They're going to take three flights if everything holds equal. That surprises me. Um I I I don't know what to think about that to be honest with you. Um Sorry, answering some questions here, folks. Um, should be hearing from Gordon Mann here soon. Uh, we'll talk more about this bracket coming up. Women's uh, bracket, uh, Women's Committee Chair will join us, um, and Men's Committee Chair will join us here very soon. Um, oh, got Gordon. Sorry, just doing multiple things. Um Sorry, I'm doing three things at the same time, Gordon. I see you. Just need to get you there. We go. Drop your camera a little bit, buddy. Sorry, doing uh, on-air stuff, which is kind of a little bit off-putting for me. <laughs> talking, talking to Gordon through through the the chat page. Uh, give me a second. I'm uh, shutting something up. There he is. So we will go to Gordon here, who's joining us on the Skype. Oops, uh, let me try that again. He's joining us via the D3. Uh, what are they? City of Salem hoops. Skype hotline. It's been a long weekend, Gordon. How you doing, bud?
5: I'm all right. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm
0: hanging in there. Um, so something that's just kind of developed, and, and we'll start here if you don't mind. Sure. We've got the potential of six flights staring us down on the women's side in, in weekend number two. Um, the upper right, I can't see where that's not going to de- de- need three flights when you got Texas, um, Washington State, Minnesota yeah. and Guilford, and then yeah. the lower left. Ryan just reminded me: uh, Geneseo's five o nine to Christopher Newport, and we know Christopher Newport can't get to Thomas Moore. Um, right. So we're this is you know another question to ask the committee chair. But I I don't see now. Granted, upsets can change things, but I don't see still don't see a lot of change here. Maybe the purse is a little bit looser than we thought, which. Begs the question. Then why do we still have three teams in the northwest?
5: Yeah. So uh, looking at that, uh, I guess the the short answer is I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of what their other options would have been. They could have put Suni Geneseo in the pod with Tufts and Scranton, but there you're still missing a fourth a fourth pod there. Uh, you know, looking at how else could you have structured this so that the the Geneseo pod winner doesn't have to fly somewhere? Um, if you shift them over to the lower right, you take either the Wisconsin or the St. Louis pod out. Uh, one of those still that that might save you one flight. yeah, I mean, they might have a little more flexibility uh, this uh, this year.
0: Is it maybe a sign that we've been making an argument for a while that, we're starting to see more good teams in women's basketball around the country. And thus we're getting this chance to now see a bracket that can be a little bit more diversified as a result.
5: Yeah, I think we certainly did this year. I mean, you, you have uh, the four undefeated teams uh, from Minnesota, Massachusetts, Ohio, and uh, Kentucky. Um, so you, you are getting something of a spread there. You know, the teams in the Northwest conference are, are solid. Um, you know, there's a there's a bit of a gap in the true South, you know, the Virginia, Texas, right now at least. Uh, and there's certainly enough teams in the Mid-Atlantic where you can, you know, Scranton and Christopher Newport in those schools. I, I do think you've seen – you have more teams at the top, in the top 10, in the top six to seven um, that I think are really, really good this year. One team in the Northeast or one team in the Northeast and one in the Mid-Atlantic.
0: Talking to Gordon Mann via Skype. Appreciate him taking the time. And it's certainly going to be fascinating to watch how this all breaks down. Sticking with the women's side for starters, let's look at a couple other things. First off, uh, we missed two teams. George Fox Mm -hmm. ended up getting in, uh, which meant the committee at least respected their SOS um, and didn't punish them necessarily for having three teams or games against non-Division 3s. Uh, right. I have really no opinion of that. I'm just glad to see it. I think it's it's a good sign. I, I, I Yeah. I, it can go either way on that. Uh, and, yeah. and the other one we missed was Calvin leapfrogging Carnegie Mellon. And I remember seeing a message when I woke up this morning from you with that. <laughs> oh, maybe they can do that.
5: <laughs> yeah. It's something we caught, you know, far too late into the night and too late into the process. But the, the thinking there is probably Calvin beats Hope, which is a win against a regionally ranked opponent. Uh, and they and then they lose to the Trine, so they're one and one. Uh, and and last week the UAA teams only had one game, playing their travel partner. So Carnegie beat Case, which isn't regionally ranked. So um, that was enough to overcome what's a generally a pretty weak strength of schedule index for uh, Calvin. They're below 500 there. Um, uh, but you know, I don't. I don't have a big problem with that one way or the other. I think that's that's a that's a toss-up. If you want to say that you know Carnegie Mellon had lots of chances, uh, you know, against regionally ranked opponents, it's the one the, the the silver lining of playing in the UAA. And uh, you know, lost you know candidly lost a lot of games against those teams. It's disappointing that they're. There wasn't a slot for them because it would they played well in the tournament last year. They were a sweet sixteen team. They've got Lisa Murphy who's, you know, will be up for player of the year. Um, but uh, you know, some of those weekends where they they lost games that they, you know, theoretically shouldn't have come back and, and haunt them. And and I don't have a problem, as we talked about last night, George Fox, the only team when we had them when we had the Bruins on the table with Calvin um, and six other teams, we said, look, the only the only team in this group that could play with them is Calvin. The rest, there was Moravian, Concordia of Wisconsin, a bunch of other schools that we weren't really in the Bruins weight class, and we said, you know, if we look just objectively at the numbers, um, George Fox has fewer games, and that's not their fault. They're on a geographic island. They do generally try and travel. They seem to have struck up a travel relationship with Trinity of Texas, which is a good matchup for both schools, but we didn't know if the, the committee would, over, would be able to get around that and, Candidly, I'm glad they did. No offense to to WPI, which looks like the school that, at least by our projections, that were left out. But Um, George Fox plays in a much tougher conference. I think George Fox is a a much deeper pedigree and forced to pick who's going to, who has a chance to make a run deeper, Uh, perhaps setting aside the fact that George Fox is going to play Whitman and then probably Puget Sound (laughs) in back to back weeks. Uh, I think if you're trying to get, and you're not, you're not trying to get the best 64 teams here. That's not what this is. The division three is about access to championships. So everybody needs to get equal access, even if they're not clearly not one of the best 64 teams, you know. No offense to Regis, but they're clearly not one of the best 64 teams in the country. But they they need to have the access to the same access to the championship that everybody else does. But once you get beyond that, and you get to the at-large bids, um, you know, you you want the the best teams. And I, I'm again, I as we said last night, I would take George Fox over really anybody that we had them at the table with in almost any setting imaginable.
0: Um. Yeah, it's an interesting point of view. I mean, I have I have no qualms with George Fox being in there either. I mean, six to one, really, when it came down to it, trying to read the tea leaves. Um, I I find it interesting that Calvin with a blow five hundred SOS got in, but the women have done that. That's nothing yes. new for them. Uh, and you're right; some of the other criteria kind of jumps out and says, "Hey, I will miss seeing Lisa Murphy in the tournament. That is for sure." Uh, but they've got some ECAC hopes. Um, and maybe even hosting so hopefully they they rally for that in in her final games um i got a couple other questions i thought one of them was women uh, so bear with me here as i try and remember which which emails i was clicking on where um nope that was men so there you go uh they um, when you look at the overall bracket, though, I mean, is anything jump out of you being wrong? I kind of feel like outside of a couple of little minor things, it seems like a pretty balanced bracket for team. Yeah.
5: No, I like the fact that they've got Amherst and Tufts separated. I like the fact that they've got the three UAA teams separated, although, you know, Rochester with their record really doesn't merit protection, so to speak. But I, I like the fact that, um, you know, Chicago and WashU wouldn't see each other in the second round or so. Um, the three first round matchups that really jump out at me as, as being, uh, you know, kind of high, kind of second round matchups that will happen in the first round. Most of them are understandable trying Illinois Wesleyan, Illinois Wesleyan was one of the the final picks. And I think that's a really good game, uh, but Illinois Wesleyan got in with nine losses. So, you know, when you're at that point, it's hard to complain hope and whitewater. I know you talked about that one a little bit, um, uh, and the other two were uh, Depaul and Gustavus Adolphus if there was if there was one first round matchup that sort of made me scratch my head it was that one because both of those teams Gustavus probably came off the board fairly early Depaul was an at large candidate Gustavus was third or fourth or fifth maybe in the in the west Depaul was probably fourth or fifth in the Great Lakes but that's going to that's likely to be a matchup of when the you know final top 25 is announced that's likely to be a 12 versus 13 matchup in the first round um, and neither one of those teams really backed into the tournament Gustavus was clearly going to be in it and Depaul won their won their their automatic qualifying bid so that's the one first round matchup that I looked at and went wow that sort of surprised me and um, you know geography works into this Gustavus can get to Oshkosh Depaul can get to Oshkosh again Calvin is probably one of the last teams picked um, so I, I don't know, you know, I guess you could have flipped St. Norbert and sent DePaul to Wash U, but they've already played each other's, maybe sent Gustavus to Wash U. I guess that's not really any better. Um, that's the one matchup that I look at and I go, gee, is there a way to have avoided that? And then the fourth one we talked about extensively already was Whitman and George Fox. And, um, you know, part of me feels for the Northwest conference teams and that they, they end up basically playing their conference tournament twice, once for real. <laughs> and then once in the NCAA tournament, um, but given the way we thought this is going, uh, I think George Fox is probably happy to have a third, uh, a second go around at the conference tournament versus, uh, you know, cleaning out their lockers today.
1: Um, Michael brings up, he says
0: uh, one idea and he's talking about the Northwest is, uh, you know, move one and move a West team going to Minnesota. The problem is it's an extra flight. I mean, it's two flights to change right. the Northwestern right. equation. It's two flights because you got to fly one out and you got to fly a team in to replace them. Um, right. and that's why they're not doing it. Now, it is a question considering it looks like six flights, potentially, and, and we got to play the games, but it looks like six flights the next weekend. But if they if they know they're going to have those six because they can't avoid them, because as you point out, it doesn't look like there's a lot of avoiding of those, and right. they know they've got X amount of flights in the first round already, which is what, two? Um, they got Claremont. Well, they, yeah, two Claremont flights. Claremont will fly. Yeah. yeah, they got two flights. So now we're adding two more. Uh, so we're doubling up the flights in the first round of four. Now we're talking 10 flights before we get. Uh, that's probably where the NCAA said, no, you either pick your poison. Well, they can't avoid it in the second weekend. They're going to have to swallow it in the first weekend. Um, and that's just uh, it's unfortunate. Listen, you're not going to find us telling you it's it's not unfortunate. We get it. It's also just reality. Is it two
5: a, flights in the first round or one? I'm, Claremont has to go to Texas.
0: Santa yeah. Cruz and Santa is, Cruz is, has got to go up. I don't think Santa right. Cruz can do it in five hundred. Okay. Um, at least a Puget, but that's a good question. It's certainly if I can certainly check that one. Um, yep. no, nope, I can't do it that way. Let me try one more way. There it is. It's amazing. sometimes you know a school's listed under one way and, and then you go to another school like like California, I gotta go to California and then go to Santa Cruz. Uh, Geneseo though is not under SUNY first.
5: No, they're probably still under Geneseo State
0: or whatever. Yeah, they're under Geneseo first, which is interesting. Oh, yeah, 839 miles. Oh, yeah. I so, <laughs>
5: guess my West West Coast geography
0: <laughs> is uh, lacking there. I figured it was pretty far, but nonetheless. Um, so another question I did get on Twitter said, uh, do you think this is the year the the, the Tommy's women's finally get over the hill and win it all this time around? Uh, they're They're not going to have an easy way of it.
5: No, I mean, they have, you have St. Thomas and Wartburg, uh, and it, let's assume Wartburg beats Chicago, and that's not a guarantee Chicago, you know, beat Wash U is, has one of, the, had one of the toughest schedules in the country. But let's just assume for, you know, that for seeds play out here, St. Thomas would have to beat Wartburg. That's a rematch of last year's uh, Sweet 16 game that Wartburg won up in uh, St. Paul. Uh, then they would play – if we're doing the seed game here, I guess they would play Guilford. I would think they would be the the overwhelming fam- ther- favorite there. Then they would get somebody from the Northwest Conference, let's just say Puget Sound, uh, and then – and that's who they would get. So they would probably have to get through Wartburg, Guilford, and Puget Sound. Uh, could happen. It, it could happen, but – I view I view even their second round matchup is pretty much a toss up. I think Wartburg I mean, well, we know Wartburg can beat them. It happened last year. The teams effectively had the same roster. Um, so, I, I uh, if they're going to get to to Grand Rapids, they're they're going to earn it. No question about that.
0: Yeah, um, I think it's I think they've got the opportunity to prove themselves. The question yeah, they're going is... to get
5: they're going to get all these games at home. That much yeah. we know. Uh, obviously, they're not going to fly three teams to uh, to Tacoma uh, for Puget Sound and and or to to Guilford or to you know the Lone Star State so they're gonna get all these games at home uh that Warburg matchup Warburg matchup is tough that the way they're slotted there that tells you that they viewed Wartburg basically as an eight seed uh, which is you know I don't know
0: well, I also think we ran into some challenges up there too with, with oh, geographics. Yeah. yeah, you know, good point. Wartburg trying to get out of there and find someone to put they them. I mean, that was my problem with Gustavus places. Adolphus. You've got to put them somewhere. And you're right. right. It was either Wash are or they're, or they're heading to Oshkosh. Yeah. They probably felt they shouldn't play Oshkosh. They should play, it's just a matter of pick your poison. Yeah, there Central wasn't as many West. teams in that area to be able to, 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 to uh, right. um, diversify it as much as we'd like to have. Um, right. I think that's something that's new too. Um, Would have been
5: nice from a bracketing perspective of you know a second Iowa team gets in Luther or something like that to give you one more team that you can push somewhere else move over the the board. Uh,
0: I got a couple men's questions. I'll I'll figure maybe you can help me answer them as well. So we'll we'll go through those. Um, What are your thoughts on Scranton men? Sorry if you answered that earlier. Just hopped on the live broadcast. No problem. Uh, I'll let you answer this one first since I've already kind of had my thoughts.
2: Yeah.
5: I think they're out in the first round. <laughs> you know, I, I I think Oswego State, who who won on who who won last year um, on a neutral floor, they'll have some experience. That's great. An Oswego State game will be a lot will be will be a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Brian Sortino once on one side, you got John Victus on the other side. Uh, if they get by that, could they beat Williams? Yeah, but I I I think their are chances of getting out of the weekend if 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 the if the Oswego State game is a coin flip and if. Let's assume Williams beats Becker. The Williams game in Chandler Gymnasium on a Saturday is a coin flip. Uh, Then their chances of of still playing the next weekend are are not real good. Now, if they got through, though, I like their chances against whoever comes out of the bracket above them, whether it's Susquehanna or or MIT or Eastern. Uh, And then I actually like their – I think I would give them a puncher's chance against Middlebury, Lyco, Newman, Salisbury. So for Scranton, it may be get out of this weekend, and then you suddenly you may have a shot. I would like their second weekend chances better than I like their first weekend chances.
0: Yeah, I think that game against Oswego is a, a must-watch game. Uh, I said earlier that I th- I don't think they've got an answer for Brian Sertino. Um, I mean, yeah, I,
5: I don't know how similar he is to Stephen Weidlick, who they played a couple of times.
0: He's um, on another level. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's on. An, I mean, nothing against Weidlick. It It's Sertino's on another level i mean 48 points in 27 certainly, minutes
5: certainly a bigger guy
0: yeah he's definitely a bigger guy he's very good with the basketball uh he can be a shooter or a passer uh, he's he's and and basically he he has a little bit of joy flannery in him sometimes yeah oh this game will not end this way <laughs> he will put it on the back and, and he will take over if necessary and scranton
5: I think, has also scranton also doesn't have a great track record in recent tournaments for making no. Really long trips last year. It was Lynchburg year before that. It was uh, Hobart, I think, where they played Hobart at Brockport state or something is, Bro-
0: at, is Hobart at Brockport. Yep.
5: Yeah. So they've, uh, um, it's, it, it's been a little while since they had that run where they beat Middlebury in Vermont. And then I think lost to Cabrini in the elite eight. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a tough matchup for Scranton and, Neither one of those schools is right next door to in Williamstown, but I think it's a little easier drive for Oswego than it is for for uh, the Royals.
0: Yeah, the other thing, and I know I was getting in a back and forth with somebody on Twitter, and he's like, Scranton men keep getting hosed in the hosting. Yes, they were the, they turned out to be none of the of two in the region, but the women were have the rights to host. <laughs> yeah. Guess That's what, what happens you when you
5: when you share the first share, share the gym with one of the most prolific women's programs yeah. in the sport. You know,
0: hey, Wash U deals with it too. You know. Um, Very- and, and listen, he made an argument that the NCA doesn't like him, and he said, "What about 2014?" Listen, 2014 was an unfortunate year. The NCA needed a couple extra uh, um, hosts, like Emory, in different places that we didn't expect and didn't like. Yeah. Scranton lost out, and they gave it to they left somebody in the Atlantic Coast instead of Scranton. So be it. But it's not like they went and proved themselves by going up and losing to Hobart at Brockport. So, right. Um, Brockport was certainly deserving to host too. Somebody was going to get hosed you could argue Scranton got hosed, but if they truly got hosed, they would have won. Um, and so, and by the way, Scranton kind of came out of nowhere. I've seen him in person. Didn't blow me away. vickis right. Certainly I like him. Uh, but I don't think they had anything else that said to me, Oh, this is an NCAA tournament team this year. They're sitting six in the regional rankings week one. I went, okay. And all of a sudden I went, wait they're What? Yeah. <laughs> so
5: uh, they've come together down the stretch yes. here. Uh, and so If you're looking for kind of intangible uh, advantages, they've come together, and Oswego's sort of done the opposite, losing. You know, they won their tournament this past weekend, but losing before that. So uh, again, I think that's that's. The best games in the first round tend to be the, on the first night tend to be the neutral court games because those are the teams yeah. that are closest together. They're often there's not a home court advantage for either one. They're often two teams who don't see, you know, they're not having played each other during a regular season. Sometimes you get kind of weird contrasts in, in styles, uh, you know, think uh, Endicott and Salisbury type of thing. Um, that should that'll be a fun game.
0: I absolutely agree with you uh, there uh, on all of those fronts. Um, Rochester men, could you talk Rochester men's pod? How much do you know about these teams? Any chance uh they'll get through to host the next weekend? Um the, the hosting part, if all four teams would get through, I think it's a coin flip between them and Marietta. Right. Um, I'm not sure without off the top of my head which way that would go. If you want to talk about ease of access and getting teams in, it'd be go to Rochester. Go to Rochester. And get yeah. them into the airport there a lot easier, or even Syracuse a lot easier than you can get them into Marietta. That being said. Marietta might have them on the criteria, except the SOS I know is in Rochester's favor. Right. Um, but what, I mean, Gordon, your thoughts on at least Rochester's pod there. I find that one rather I think, interesting.
5: Yeah. I, I think they could lose to, I, I think they could lose to Albertus in the first round. Yeah. I think they could lose to Wesleyan in the second round. Um, I'm, you know, I'm assuming Wesleyan gets by Union here, although that's not a given. They have a tough, that's a tough draw. Albertus Magnus, uh, from a conference that's kind of unheralded but is generally a tough out in the tournament johnson of wales reached a second weekend last week uh, last year um albertus magnus basically lost at the buzzer to a real good dickinson team the years before that and rochester is kind of quietly backed in here uh they, you know they lost a they lost a case western which wasn't a good loss uh they lost to emory which isn't a bad loss but you know isn't a, a great loss either um they have not played well down the stretch they played real strong uh, and then split the weekend with Chicago and and WashU, um, and fell behind Chicago big, and then and rallied to come back. But they're not coming in. They're not coming in with a lot of momentum here. Uh, and uh, you know the plester will be loud. That's a long drive from basically New Haven, Connecticut to Western New York. Um, but I of of the four teams in that who are hosts, I think they've got. Probably the second hardest chance to come out of there. I think Marietta comes out easily. I think Harden Simmons comes out. I don't know about easily. Whitman and Whitworth will be a, a, you know, a blood feud one more time. But Rochester, again, I don't know that they beat Albertus Magnus in the first round. And if they do, you know, Wesleyan's a tough second round matchup.
0: Yeah, I uh, Rochester first round. I said it on the air on the NCA show that watch out for Albertus Magnus. If you're looking for an upset, that's the one to look for. We got a question about Albertus Magnus, too, so it gives me a good chance to say it. They're a proven commodity. They certainly can play well. They may be off the radar right now because the the heyday run from a couple years ago isn't in front of us. That doesn't mean they're not in play here. In Rochester, it's two years in a row, they've struggled down the stretch. To the same teams, they've struggled down the stretch. They were in better shape to get in the tournament this year. Uh, that is not a given in any way, shape or form by criteria. That's the right matchup by on paper. That's a scary matchup if you're a Rochester fan. Other side Union Wesleyan. I think Wesleyan's got a lot to prove. I'm not saying Union's going to beat him, but I think of, of all the teams in the NESCAC who've got very little who have not proven much in the tournament. It's Wesleyan. This is only their second trip. Um and and I, nothing about their season except for a win over Marietta and a win over Amherst. I think the I think the win over Amherst is a little sus- suspect because we just don't know what Amherst is like anymore. It's not like I can say that I can translate that into anything. Okay, let's say they get past Union, ta da! For Union having a great season. But they're going to run into a juggernaut of a game in Rochester Albertus Magnus. So, yeah, you know, that's, he, that's a tough one.
5: You've got Wesleyans whose strength is generally down low, good low post players. And you've got Rochester whose strength is their point guard, uh, Sam Bor Smith or their guards. So, um, yeah, I think that's a that's a matchup between a NESCAC and a UAA school. So those are both deep conferences. Um, there'll be a decided home court advantage for Rochester in that. I don't, I don't know that you're going to get a ton of people traveling from what's basically <laughs> Or less Hartford, Connecticut, Middletown yeah. to be exact, but center of Connecticut to New York. But yeah, that's a that's a tough month. That that will be if if Rochester comes out to the second round, they'll have beaten two uh two very good teams to get there.
0: Um as far as Rochester hosting, again, it's a coin flip between them and Marietta. I don't think you can really sit there um yeah. and make it. that's just that's that's pretty difficult to say the least. Um, I know they're still talking about the Northwest, and I'll answer what I, I wrote there. You know, it says it seems to happen in the Northwest more than not. Sorry, you didn't mean to rant, but we're encouraging girls out here to go to D3 over NAI, and it just seems silly. <coughs> Excuse me, especially if you just ran. Ad yeah, D3 has more schools than D1 and D2. I get X players all at all D3 schools. A huge letdown for them. Here's the deal. If you think this NCAA tournament structure is making them decide between a D3 school and an NIA school, I think we're thinking about this a little too much. Um, you're making the NCAA tournament plain and simple. So that's the first thing. Second of all, you can throw a blanket over most, most of the other parts of the country, hit 50 teams in five conferences. You can't hit anything but the Northwest Conference for 800 miles because we just did the math. Puget Sound's 839 to, to Santa Cruz. or, or to Santa, Yeah, Cruz and it's a, well over 1000 down to, to, to Los Angeles. So yeah, it happens in the northwest and it happens in Texas. And but again, if we think this is a recruiting thing, this is why we're losing them to the NAIA, I can't help you there. We're not going to solve this.
5: Yeah, I and I I don't think we have any sense, much of a sense for, you know, how does George Fox compare to, you know, picking an NAIA school in the in the Northern northwest. Right. And 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 these three schools or at least two of them, Whitman and George Fox have been in the tournament a bunch recently. Um you know, Puget Sound is it's been a little bit longer for them. Um, and, I, I, you know, it's it's the same argument for the Texas schools. Now, they only yes. have two teams in the tournament this year, and they're both from different conferences. So it it, it you know, and you see this perpetually for
0: but they for play the each football.
5: other Right. Yeah. So i I, I don't know that there's. I understand the frustration i don't i don't think there's a way to fix this you know the the economics of division three is we're all living off the big contract that uh yeah you know was signed with cbs however turner whoever that was however, many years
0: ago turner, well we just re-upped it and that's yeah. maybe why we're getting a little more flights there's a little bit more money in the conference. but, but the, here's the thing the you know it says yeah. you know we just ran an ad that d3's got more teams than d2 or D one yes but most teams in d3 are central of the country east. If you want to compare numbers of the Appalachian and East and Appalachian West, it's 50-50 and the Appalachians on the East Coast. You take the Mississippi River, and three quarters of Division three is sitting east of the Mississippi River. Yeah. So yeah, we have a lot more schools, but there's less NAI in Division Two east of those of that location. NAI right. and Division Two tend to be out to the western part. That's just the way the makeup is. And we can't compare. Comparing is the death nail. But by the way, if we want to compare. D2, last I checked, still picks on a regional basis. X amount of teams from each region get in. Last I checked, I could be wrong, but last I checked, we had that process back in the 90s. It didn't matter how many, how many uh, teams were good or not. If, if your East region got eight teams, your East region got eight teams. If the Northwest got four, the Northwest got, it didn't matter. And by the way, it still didn't change the flights. so you know this is i understand people are frustrated i get that but this is the same thing we talk about every year this is not the first time it's happened only once can we think of when flights got shipped out in the opening round and the next year the budget was so reined in because they overspent so much money across division three the year before that we got into a million dollar budget deficit it's not going to happen i would love it to happen don't get me wrong i'd love it to happen But it's it's just the reality. It would be a great surprise if it had had been approved, and we'll ask Bobby Morgan here in a few minutes about it.
5: I think if you had, uh, you know, pulled the membership at the next conference, uh, are you willing to kick in five thousand dollars a year for a travel budget for men's and women's basketball? I think that would get voted down pretty soundly.
0: Yeah,
5: Yeah. Uh, and you know. You can only get so bad when you can't pay.
0: <laughs> hey, they just they just upped their dues. They doubled more than doubled up their dues starting this season. Uh sure. we have more money that we're clearly using, but that doesn't mean that ninety percent of the nation's gonna say, Yeah, I'll give five thousand dollars more just to make sure the Northwest right. can fly a school out of there in case right. they make a yeah, So the tournament.
5: Lynch, Lynchburg can go fly to Puget Sound for the first round.
0: Exactly. I'm going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, Bobby Morgan's going to join us. Gordon, I'm not sure if she's going to be able to hear you the way this system is set up. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. I, I haven't figured it out. I mean, we can certainly try if, if you want to stay on the line and ask her questions. Sure. If she can't hear us uh, or hear you, um, then maybe you can just relay them to me. But uh, we'll take a break. And when we come back, uh, Bobby Morgan will join us. you listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios.
6: College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center.
3: You imagine your finest moment, the game-winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court.
6: I'm a current Division III student-athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be.
0: So if you're a first-year student-athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally.
6: If you can play, you can play Division III.
1: We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be, too. If you can play,
2: you can play in Division III. Defining moments championship dreams share the experience with your family and friends the 2017 NCAA division three men's basketball championship March 17th and 18th at the Salem Civic Center in Salem Virginia visit NCAA.com slash tickets for your tickets today
0: welcome back to whoops don't have the audio working <laughs> We've done that a few times. There we go. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We told you the committee chairs would be joining us on today's show. and We've got our first one up. Gordon will be joining us momentarily as soon as I am able to finagle a couple things in the production. But first and foremost, Bobby Morgan joins us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, thanks for taking the time.
4: Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having us on.
0: Oh, that's going to be tricky. Hold on a second, Coach. I just realized I have two earpieces, which is probably going to eliminate Gordon because I don't know if I'm going to be able to hear him now myself. Uh, But (laughs) we'll work on it. i I got a couple ways to do this. Bear with me, Coach, as I literally flip out one earpiece into another and maybe see if I can ask you a really long question that you can give me a really long answer to. Um, First and foremost, I know the committee did a lot of hard work. Uh, I know that um, you went late into the night. I am uh, a little bit curious Risking that I may not hear the answer, but uh, how late did you guys end up uh, working on this one?
4: No, it wasn't too bad. I mean, you know, um, we had some stoppages, obviously, for different reasons. We took a Apparently I breaks. can't hear anything. You can't hear Hold me? Hold on,
0: Coach. Oh, because I hit the wrong button. I know you're probably talking. This is what's called I, knew, I had everything lined up until I didn't have everything set. Um, this is why I need producers and why we need to do some spending of money in this studio, but that's a whole nother conversation. So coach, try that again. Now I can hear you.
4: (laughs) Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was earlier than other nights. I mean, we, we, um, you know, we got on after the, obviously there were different uh, rack calls going on throughout the day and, you know, we got together about two o'clock. You know, with some of the regions had finished up, and we were able to start looking at the rankings. And you know, we took a couple of breaks. And you know, we when all was said and done, we we were talking about site reps and different things like that. You know, after eleven, but we it was it was a not not that late of a call. <laughs> um, but it, you know, the final bracketing and stuff like that went a little later. But but you know, it, it's all good work.
0: In the in the grand scheme of things, what are your what are your thoughts on on the work that the committee did?
4: I mean, you know, I, I it's it's my third year doing this with the committee, and I think all three years have they all present different challenges, right? Because you know, obviously, and you know this, you guys talked about it all day, you talk about it all the time. You know, the the restrictions that we have with travel and geographics, and you know, it's not the, the kind of Bracket that would be in a perfect world, but we, under the circumstances and the situation, we think we did as good a job as we could. And uh, you know, we tried to really keep some, you know, ones and twos meeting each other as as we got you know into the different rounds and not have. We tried to keep teams away from each other as best we could, but inevitably, you've got some regions where you, you know you've got teams that are pretty familiar with each other playing each other earlier than we would have liked, but. There's just no way to do it without flying teams all over the country.
0: In about 40 seconds, we may be able to get Gordon to join us. Uh, the way my system's set up, uh, hopefully, he'll have some questions. I, let me start a little bit with the rankings, if you don't mind. We missed two teams, no big deal. It gets nitty gritty when it gets down to that point. We're splitting hairs, but we did notice that you moved Calvin ahead of Carnegie Mellon. Gordon certainly made a good argument for it just a short time ago. What was the end up? What was the decision ultimately in that in that region to do that?
4: Well, I mean, all, Carnegie Mellon was ranked eighth in their region. Um, and if you look at their body of work in the last month, um, it was not, you know, it was not strong. And, you know, they had seven losses. Um, they also only had one win. I'm in my car, so I'm doing this from my memory. Yeah, yeah, so. sure. <laughs> um, but um, I recall they only had one win against a ranked opponent, and that certainly came into play. Calvin had five losses. Uh, I think Carnegie did they have eight or seven? I'm, you, to correct me. But, yeah. but all of Calvin's losses were to ranked ranked opponents. They had 20 wins. They had done well, um, you know, later in the year. And you know, it was it was a tough. I mean, the last conversations, as you know, and and you know, we say this every year, and we're talking about teams that could be in the tournament that don't get in every year. And. You know, how do you decide? Because that last grouping that you get to, uh, sometimes they're equally deserving. And you just try to find something that separates um, teams. And, you know, I know the SOS strength of schedule is a big thing, but, you know, I, I'm not sure I forget Carnegie Mellon's record. Um, I don't, again, I'm in my car, but I, how many losses did they have? Eight, nine?
0: Uh, eight, I believe, yeah. Eight, yep. yeah, eight, eight, eight losses, losses so. yeah.
4: Yeah. So, and, you know, Calvin, Calvin had 20 wins. I know their SOS was just a little bit above 500 um i think it was like 510 or 515 and um but those you know their losses were to ranked teams they had two wins against ranked teams so their body of work was pretty solid
0: yeah no and more of just a curiosity like i said gordon made a pretty good argument gordon's actually joining us i'll see if he can ask you a question you can hear it if not i'm going to try and hit a button and see if you can hear it and hopefully this works okay go ahead gordon
5: Hey, Coach, uh, we we should have just gotten – I can give you my address. You can drive to my house, and uh, we can do the call from here.
0: Hold on. Coach, did you hear him?
4: I can hear him barely, yeah.
0: Oh, I know why. Humbly try one more button. Go ahead, Gordon.
5: Okay. Coach, the question I I was going to ask is if I'm looking at the brackets, I see it looks like Amherst, Tufts, uh, St. Thomas – are are kind of the top seeds and then if i uh, maybe i'm reading too much in this it looks like ohio northern is in front of thomas moore in the great lakes is that where they finished in that final uh, regional ranking
4: those are published and i'm in my car oh <laughs> well
5: then so i should know the answer I, to that
4: <laughs> you should and i'm driving so i i'm really not in a position to start going through each region and tell you who exactly where everybody played um but you know and are you asking what say that again
5: so uh, I guess how how does how did the how does the committee sort out you know Thomas More and, and Ohio Northern who flipped back and forth all season long
4: Yeah well Thomas More stayed up top um at the end so they ended up if uh, that's the one I do remember they were ahead of Ohio Northern Okay um and obviously and Amherst was obviously ahead of Tufts um because they won the game and and finished that ranking so they were finished as number 1 in their region Okay
0: um, per that, uh, a curiosity. George Fox getting into the tournament. Um, I know that's a, a, a kind of a, a tricky one. They didn't play th- uh, three games against Division Three opponents, which kind of takes a hit on their criteria. Was it one of those where you you tried to overlook that? And I don't mean that in a, in, a, in a bad way. I mean you try to say, listen, let's see if we can look past that point and find criteria, and, and they are better in a lot of other ways than the fact that they're three games short in, to some degree
4: that that issue has happened and i think that issue has happened in that region more dramatically if i recall um where a team only was able to play uh 15 or 16 or had 15 or 16 wins in um in against in division opponents if i remember but you know george fox's body again we go back to body of work and i know that sounds like a cliche but you know they were eight, i think they were 18 and 5 Is that 18 correct? and 4 my this is pretty good for me in a call. Yeah, not anyways. bad. Um, <laughs> um, but you know what they had, you know, they had had some really good game, good wins. Um, you know, they're playing a tough schedule. Um, if I recall too, and again, this might be off recollection, I believe their losses were to all ranked opponents or something mm-hmm. close to that. That's correct. Correct. And, um, yeah, and you know, obviously it's it's they're they're a class, you know, it's we don't do this subjectively, you know, their history doesn't really matter, but they are a strong program and we felt that 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 18 and 5 and then we took a peek at the secondary which we do, we we take a peek at that all the time. And yeah, they had three more wins in that category. Um, you know, it was a pretty solid resume and we just felt that they they were a team that belonged you know, out of that, out of where that region where they came out, they jumped out and they belong to be there.
0: Was there any team that got left at the table or was involved in the conversations, especially late, where you sat that and teams in plural that you sat there going, you know, they've got a lot of good criteria, but this is just falling short. That 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 is maybe a lesson to everybody else out there on how to 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 secure their 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 criteria a little bit better.
4: Well, I mean, you know when you start to split hairs right when you get through all criteria and you know everything is so close whether it's you know win loss you know you know ranked wins all of the primary criteria then you start delving in i mean you do delve into what does that strength of schedule look like i mean what who did beat and what quality are those wins and and do the did they lose games that they shouldn't have quote unquote bad loss right Um, And I think sometimes those things, you know, when you get down to all the other criteria, you can't separate teams. You do start to look at those things. I don't think there's one thing the team should avoid. I mean, I think you want to, you know, you want to try to play a strong schedule. Obviously, you want it. But, you know, limited. And we don't we try not to penalize those folks, you know, particularly, you know, the people out west that can't necessarily get all of their games in, in division. And you can't necessarily get ranked wins or because you can't play those teams for for your you're limited geographically so we try not to you know we try not to penalize them um, you certainly don't want to lose games that you shouldn't I mean that's pretty simple right yeah. you shouldn't lose you shouldn't lose to a team that's got two wins or a team that's you know you know got a below 500 winning percentage you know very often I mean everybody might have a stinker once in this season but you know if you've got a couple bad losses and you know that comes Factors into your body of work.
1: Go ahead, Coach. Go ahead. Uh, coach,
5: uh, we 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 knew we were going to get this complaint on both the men's and the women's side, um, and we've tried to kind of explain the realities of the economics of the way this works to folks. It just it might make them feel better if they hear it from you than from us. Whitman and George Fox in Puget Sound. This will be the third game between Whitman and George Fox in 15 days. Um, I know. And, you know, they basically play the Northwestern Conference tournament twice, once for real, and then once in the NCAA tournament. We've said that the only way to fix that, you, your hands are kind of tied financially, just give you the plan. I think essentially say what we've said, but so that they can hear it from you as well as from us.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and you, you know, the committee <laughs> is made up of uh, who, who are, I mean, we are completely empathetic and understand that. That's not the ideal situation, you know? And, you know, but we are limited to what we can do geographically in Division Three, and, you know, and, and the NCAA does a great job, and they throw, you know, it's very, they're very, you know, it's a great tournament, but these are the constraints that we work in, and it's not basketball. It's limited to, it's the Division Three philosophy, you know, and it's the budget that we have to work with, and it is a shame. I mean, you know, the ideal situation would be there was a lot more teams out there, and right. they wouldn't have to be playing the same teams again, um but there aren't and you know we we understand that there's you can't look at it any other way. We can't put tough Whitman in the first round. <laughs> like right. know, we can't we can't fly teams all over. It's just not the reality and um we understand, and we understand the frustration. but I hope people also understand that you know the committee we do try within the limitations that we have to try to, to make it as best that we can. You know, that's, that's all we can do.
0: With that known, um, you had two flights in the first weekend. That's the two California schools. Um, and you moved Texas, Dallas to be the host so that Hendricks could get there to avoid a flight. My question though, is it looks very much like you've got six flights, very potential, potentially the second weekend. Was there discussion to try and move anything around so you could bring a flight? And I know it takes two flights to fix the Northwest problem. you got to fly one in and fly one out. But was there any conversation of of either, A, maybe we can tinker some things in the second weekend to uh, give us the flights in the first weekend? Or was the NCAA?
4: You know what? You'd have to ask them that, honestly. Because, I mean, (laughs) we – no, and I mean that. I mean, we looked at it like trying – you're trying to limit the flights right here. And this is what we're looking at. And, you know, as far as this, you know, we talked about the scenarios that, you know, as you as you're moving people around and looking at, well, what if this happens? We've got a flight and if this happens. But that's really now you're taking something that's difficult to do and adding the the, the idea of like, well, now predict what's going (laughs) to happen. Right. Right. Okay. well, this could be a flight. Well, this could not be a flight. Isn't that what the NCA does,
0: though? Don't they take your bracket and tear it apart and go, whoa, you're going to have too many flights here?
4: No, you know. I mean, they, well, we obviously, they, we we are we are giving given the the challenge of trying to make these things work, and and um, and again, you know, we did the best that we could. But the second weekend, I mean, some of them line up pretty well, and you know, if there's an outlier, there's some there's some. Yeah, we did, we looked at that. Well, if that happens, we could have an issue. But you know, come on, we have to. We've got sixty. We got to have these games. We can't yeah. not play them. So, but again, I mean, and I and I mean this you know I think it's a great tournament, and I think you know it has it's not perfect in that you know we aren't able to see you know you know the each each region and then have one through sixteen like a division one tournament and all that but it, i think it's still i think it still is gonna be exciting i think we've got great teams in all four corners that could really um you know we could have a fantastic final four and i think there should- i think there's a little i think and I might be wrong, but I think there's more parity. I think there's a potential for some other teams to kind of come to the forefront this year. So, you know, we'll see.
0: I agree with you. Gordon, do you have another question? We were doing a nice alternating, but I didn't know if you had another question.
5: (laughs) Yeah, so you have have Tufts and Amherst on opposite sides of the bracket, and that that certainly looks intentional and and makes sense. Were there other sorts of things where you said, let's try and and keep the – Geographic and the financial limitations. Were there other those types of things where you said let's try and keep these two teams, you know, separated from each other if we can?
4: Well, I mean, you know, don't. There's more that more to it than just two teams. I mean, you know, we kind of tried to look at each pod in and of itself at first, right? Then when you get them all together, you you certainly don't want, you know, we didn't want Thomas Moore playing Saint Thomas, you know, those kinds of things. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of intentionality to it. But, you know, there's also some of it you end up with a a situation, a scenario that you don't always want. You know, we can't really do much about that just because, again, usually typically because of travel, like you might have some teams from the Midwest playing each other a little sooner than we would have liked, you know, and but there's not much we could do about it because there's just the resources aren't there.
1: Uh, one
0: game that jumps out at me, Gustavus Adolphus versus DePaul, will be the first time those two teams have ever played each other. A uh, tweet I just saw from, uh, one of those, uh, from one of those squads. That does feel like a bit of a doozy of a game, but as you said, sometimes it's unavoidable. At least you got it at Oshkosh. Was, did Geographics kind of play a role there? It almost feels like uh, you, you didn't have enough teams maybe out in that general area to be able to do some more creative things. Well, you
4: know, again, I feel like, I feel like the bracket, some, you know, maybe it was last year, might have been my first year, where it was a little bit more like left-right, you know, in mm-hmm, terms of mm-hmm. this country, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that there were a lot of, there were some different teams in, in this year that, you know, we did have some unique challenges. Obviously, like Hendricks, and and some of those things that happened. So that game in particular, I mean, you know, obviously geographically it works. And, you know, when we hover that 500 miles, right, that's the yeah. – that's that you have to find those those
0: games that are going to fit. Um, when you looked at uh, how everything kind of played, out, I mean, how how hard was did you have how many brackets did you basically have? And did you was this a little bit more straightforward? Um, and on top of that, how many people were involved? I know you had said to me private previously that you know full eight people would be involved, even if you had to have some um, extra people. But you have a few people on your committee that are on this. This tournament, you know, Jim Scheibel at Rochester. You yeah, had... so
4: obviously um, Chris and Jim and Karen had to jump off um, for bracketing, and Jim actually had to drop off um, <laughs> when his team was discussed. Yeah, and um, and so you know, Tara Rock actually went um, to um, for the East, and so you know, it was fine. I mean, we had a lot of eyes on this, and. You know, and and the, the nice part about the the committee is that, you know, we lean on the committee members from each region to really look at their regions and and you know obviously the geographic map and the things that are going to work and um, you know we had some suggestions that we we took and that we couldn't do or chose not to do we've you know we we discussed at length you know um, and you talk about how many brackets I mean the bracket starts one way and then it's like a it's a puzzle right it yeah. gets moved around and. And you look at it, and you say, "Wait, I do that, that's not gonna work and you know you catch things too. I mean it gets you catch things well, we can't have them playing them, and you know those kinds of discussions go on, so there was quite a lot of input, really it was a you know the group effort and um and it was good. I mean, there's some really good people on our on our committee that are you know said this to you, I think off the record. there's no agendas, I think that people are really trying to trying to get this to be a, a good tournament. And, you know, there's tough, you know, it's funny when people say to me, though, well, that's a tough first-round game. I mean, you're in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> there should be tough first-round games. Yeah. Like, if they're not tough first-round we aren't picking the right teams, you know? And, um, you know, granted, there's some, you know, AQs that, are weaker and and from weaker regions, but I mean they should be tough first round games and they should be tough second round games.
0: And I I you think know? I said it on the broadcast to the NCA that were tough for, and I was hinting at that. There's a difference and I didn't say it there, but I said it at the beginning of the show there's a difference in the level of Division three, the women's basketball. There you know there's an upper tier and that tier has gotten deeper, which is wonderful to see. But then there's a line and then there's everybody else. So there's a lot of those first round games. You're like, oh, that's going to be tough for X or tough for Y because they're going to be playing one of the you know, top teams in the country but as you said they've got to play them uh so those games have need to be played and uh you are in the tournament it doesn't mean you get an easy game um that's not how this is supposed to work
2: right, um, right. and so
0: i know that was a common theme with what i was saying but that was the point was that that this is tough um yeah. you kind of hinted at it the last few years i feel like this bracket has gotten more and more diversified yeah
4: i mean um there's a couple. I think is Rose Holman first timer. I mm. think they're a first timer. Yeah, yep, um, They are. Yeah. And uh, you know, and and I guess I, the way I look at it, and again, I'm more familiar with the Mid Atlantic, but you know, the last we've had a year, I guess two years ago, in fact, when my team was in, it was pretty top heavy. Grant was really strong, and um, you know, but there wasn't this parity that we have, and. And I felt, you know, again, there were a few regions this year that were not as necessarily as strong, but there was more parity. There were some regions where, I mean, geez, there's a lot of good teams, you know, and, and the Mid-Atlantic certainly was one of them. Um, you know, and obviously where there, there were some good teams throughout the country where it was tough. You know, you got two undefeated teams head-to-head, Thomas Moore, right? You've got two undefeated teams in the same region. you Man. had... You know, it was just – I think there's just – I think there's some sleepers out there. And I know that the traditional powers are always going to be good. They're hosting. They're going to – you know, they're, they're, they're seasoned. But I think there's some teams out there that can, they can pick people off this year. I really do.
0: Um, when you, you and the committee finally finished and got it all done and reevaluated it this morning, was there anything in hindsight that you, you didn't solve that you had been trying to solve? Uh, I know the travel thing, I mean, outside of the cheese, I really like to get three teams or one team out of this Northwest kerfuffle. Um, But, you know, just something that that challenged you guys that you just couldn't find a a decent resolution to.
4: Nah, I mean, no. I mean, there probably are. But, you know, at the end of the day, you get this time constraint to get this bracket to, you know, I think if you had a week to do it, you probably could, you know, it's like anything else, right? But I, I, I think it was good. I mean, you know, we, were, we did have a final uh, back and forth this morning about a few issues, but they were kind of minor and, um, you know, and, and more somewhat philosophical as opposed to um, this doesn't work. This was for some different opinions, I guess, and that's more confidential information. But for the most part, I think, it you know, it, it came out pretty good. And, and um, you know, again, we the West is tough. It's tough, and there's just, you know, those are the only teams that are out there. We can't, they have to play each other, and it's, a, and it's, a, and, and we, you know, we understand how frustrating that can be, but we do the best we can.
0: Um, what was it? Uh, there was something I just had, and I I've lost it. it. had to do with your, your, oh, I had a lot more games on Sunday. I know you and I have chatted about the challenges of that. Um, and speaking of, you know, less time to, to do things, I think Sunday kind of went, ch- I don't remember. Gordon can correct me because Sundays I can't. It's still a blur. I don't think I I, I live through Sunday, um, but I don't think you had a lot of upsets on Sunday. We're, but did Sunday present any challenges, or did this year kind of go well enough for you?
4: Well, I mean, you know, we have to do. We have to get into that score reporting system and do this scenarios and and ask the racks to look at. You know, if this happens, you need to vote this way. You know, we have to we have to do that. So I think in and of itself, it creates extra work for the committee. And uh, I, th- I, you know, and I said, I, I think in a perfect world we would wrap these games up on Saturday, and then uh, you know allow a little bit more time to get this process um, completed. You know, in a more maybe humane fashion. I don't
0: know. <laughs> humane, okay. <laughs> yeah,
4: no, you know, I mean, just in a more, in a more, um, you know, it, it gives a little bit more time. But no, there really weren't any problems. I mean, again, like you know, it, and it, you know, there's a buzz, there's a buzz to selection. You know, and for the committee members, I mean, you know, you work, you you lead up to it, you work hard for, you know, weeks leading up to it, looking at these teams and trying to follow what's going on in your region, you know, and it's kind of like game day, right? You get there and, and you, you get that final ranking and hopefully you've done your work pretty well each week leading up to it. So it's it, your job is easier. And, you know, again, yeah, there's a couple upsets that threw some wrinkles into it and but for the most part, you know, I thought it went well, and and we got each region knocked out as quickly as we could. Is that we were texting each other, we're following the scores, you know, we're you know somebody's got D three hoops on checking the updates, right? So, <laughs> you know, so yeah, you know, it, it got done, um, and and you know, I think that the committee felt good about it.
5: Coach, I just have I've have one last question for you. You were also the top seed in your own tournament uh, in the Centennial, and you were hosting the the championship game there Saturday afternoon. How do you handle the division of labor? How do you, you know, committee chair, head coach, you know, hosting a tournament? How did you manage that? Time management skills.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I'm about ready to to take a nap, but but um, (laughs) I, I can tell you, I can tell you that you know because we were hosting, I didn't fly, I couldn't fly out. Um, and typically right. the chair will go out to Indy, but I, I was like, I can't book a flight because I don't even know right. if we're playing Saturday. Um, and truthfully, you know, we didn't see that coming. I mean, we, we kind of had a unexpectedly, um, you know, a strong little, a little bit sooner than we thought. Our team did really well. And at our conference, it was so tight that it we were fortunate to host. So. Um, I mean, you know, it's like anything else. I mean, I have three kids. You you just keep working. You just, you know, you just find another hour somewhere in the day to do committee stuff and you find another hour to drive them to practice, whatever. So you just do it. But uh, it's it's tough. I mean, but, you know, well, almost all of the members are coaches. Um, You know, we have an athletic director. We do have a sports communication um, guy, but they all have incredibly demanding, incredibly demanding jobs. So. You know, I think anybody who serves on an NCAA committee is, you know, you're doing it because you're passionate about, you know, trying your sport and you really want to be a part of this. So, you know, you, you just do it and uh, you find a way.
0: Yeah, I know that feeling, but you guys certainly do more work. Um, I know it was a tough loss in the semifinals, uh, especially being at home. Um, kind of brought the season kind of th- to a thud a little bit, but as you hinted, you thought this would be next year. Uh, how do you think the season ended for you guys? And what yeah. are you looking forward to?
4: I mean, it, you know what? i tell you what. It, it was a great game. Um, you know, it was back and forth. It was like one of those. And so many of our games this year were, like, decided at the final minute, you know, or two. So we won a lot of really close games. And, and in this particular game, it was such a great atmosphere. I mean, the house, you know, we had a great crowd. It was packed. And, you know, we, we did the the little things that um we we didn't do the little things i guess you know we missed some free throws six free throws down the stretch we we had some uncharacteristic turnovers and i almost think that the the moment kind of was a little bit too big and we we kind of got a little lost and you know gettysburg made a few shots at the end and it, we lost by four and you know it's a team that we split with during the year but we split with them very close so um at least in our home game and we got they smoked us actually up at their place so you know, was it devastating? Absolutely not. I mean, it was one of those years where, like, we had a block and, um, you know, would have loved to have been playing for the finals, would have loved to be in this tournament. That would add more work, right? But, um, <laughs> but you know what? I mean, you know, you, you walk away going, hey, we had a really successful season. Kids are great. Um, we only lose one. I lose one um, senior who was healthy. Another senior was injured for the most of the year. So we have our entire team back and, and – uh so I'm hoping it'll, you know, it'll be a great experience for them to kind of, hey, you know, they watched that championship game on our home court Saturday. They sat there and watched it. And so I don't think that felt really good. <laughs> but uh but I think they'll learn from the experience and you know be better for next year. So so we're we're not we're not drowning in our sorrows here. We're fine. <laughs>
0: Well, I can understand that. Uh, congratulations on the good season. I appreciate you coming on and chatting with us, especially on a busy day. I know it's a busy day, uh, though. We do uh, always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? And I'm, I assure you, there's 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 many tuned in.
4: <laughs> well, you know what? Um, no, I mean I, I think that you guys do a fantastic job for Division Three, and, and um, you know it's great. And and I, I'm just we just you know we all hope that it's it's an outstanding tournament and uh and that it's a great experience for all the kids that are in and you know for those teams that don't get in um you know and and there's a lot you know there's there's a lot it's just you know every year is different so we're just it's tough and i i hope everybody knows that the committee really makes a great effort in trying to make this as good as we can
0: well thank you so much um i know you'll enjoy the tournament and and as a chair and you'll be at grand rapids thanks for taking the time i'm i'll Quite sure we'll talk more often, a little more off the air, but uh, enjoy it, and uh, good luck on, on the next three weeks here.
4: Okay. Thanks, guys. Have a good night.
0: You too. Mommy Bye. Morgan joining us here. Uh, chair of the Division Three Women's National Committee and head coach of the Haverford uh, women's basketball program. Uh, lost in the semifinals, but as coach said, gave her a chance to... Uh, get a little bit more work done, maybe <laughs> on the committee side of things, Gordon. Before we let you go, any final thoughts on what she had to say and, and the women's side of this bracket?
5: No, I like I like Coach Morgan in this role. She's a you know she's a straight shooter. Um, you know I, she gets the Northwest Conference uh, thing. I think she you know we 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 sort of have a. I think we have a good sense for what they go through, the way the teams are stacked up in the central and, and in the Western part of the country. And again, I think they've put together a good bracket. They've got uh, undefeated teams kind of anchoring and the one that the one bracket that doesn't have an undefeated team has uh, Tufts, toughs who is separated from an undefeated team by four points. Um, I think, I think it's a good bracket. I think with the constrictions, they, with the restrictions they have, uh, they've done a good job.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, would we love a perfect bracket? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Um, and we so can pick.
5: So Santa Cruz could fly to Amherst because that would be
0: the yeah. 64 versus. One. There you go. Um, I, I mean, in a perfect world. Yeah, there's a lot of things we'd love to do and we can nitpick with the best of them. Uh, we've seen enough brackets out there to be able to nitpick. And doesn't mean we're dead right. It doesn't mean the the committee's wrong. It just it just means we can find things to talk about. Um, trust me, as Gordon would tell you, these brackets have come a long <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we used to have a lot more problems with brackets than we do now if we're nitpicking over these kinds of things. Well, Gordon, I know you need to go. I appreciate it. Um, sure. Any final thoughts for those out there? Or was that? Are you good? No, I'm good. Awesome. Thanks so much to Gordon joining us on the sure. City of Salem Skype hotline. Uh, appreciate him taking the time. Going to answer a couple quick questions, and then we're going to go to He's gonna. We're going to talk to him. As well, one person pointed out, say if the tournament wanted to save money, they would have put Lewis and Clark in the Northwest bracket over Santa Cruz. Uh, yeah, you can't do that, unfortunately. Santa Cruz earned its way into the tournament as a Pool B bid, plain and simple. Uh, and by the way, you never know; Santa Cruz might surprise some people. You just never know. Um, so I, it, it, that is what it is. I'm sorry to say. Um, I know we got some other questions. So let me see if I can quickly get to them um let's see do you like wheaton's chances to win a game or two this year they've underperformed the last two years in the tournament but this is maybe their best team lots of experience couple of six two girls in the middle and uh, that they have coming on a little worried um i think the game against rose holman might be a bit of a challenge to be blunt uh i kind of like i think rose holman's got a legitimate chance and then they've got wash U or saint norbert most likely wash U ahead of them Nothing against Wheaton, but if they come out of the first weekend, it's going to be the story. Of one of the well, it probably will be the story of the opening weekend. Uh, nothing against Wheaton. Uh, I know they're improved. They just haven't blown me away. Rose Holman, I think, gives them a game, but then they're playing Wash U. If they beat Wash U, uh, trust me, we're going to be talking about them. That would be one of the more outstanding results and one of the, a big upset in the tournament. Uh, the committee will be vindicated. thank you for your hard work this weekend especially Appleton Rocks thank you sir for giving us a call. Uh, Susquehanna caught a break in hosting with CNU and Scranton but both unable to host. what do you think this SU's chances of hosting into next weekend? None Susquehanna's done. SU only caught the break um, because Scranton um, and you're right you could you could argue. I think Susquehanna looks like they were not hosting because of CNU and Scranton if that makes any sense. Uh, I'm going to my bracket to confirm what I want to say here. Um, I think they were going to host anyway. I don't think they're hosting because CNU and It's a valid argument. Uh, if those, But the thing is, with CNU's and Scranton's brackets, those are basically brackets that have just been moved to other locations. So I don't see brackets that have been changed, if that makes any sense. I don't see how it trickled down. I think Susquehanna's hosting because they needed another host in the region, and Susquehanna got it. But I don't think there's any chance... They Movement. Well, you know, I shouldn't say that. I really shouldn't say that. Um, the trick's going to be Scranton men will have priority, so they probably will host the next weekend if they get through. I don't know how they'll shape up with Oswego, and I don't know about Williams. I, I well, what am I saying? Middlebury's in this pod, so Susquehanna <laughs> need to look up. If Susquehanna is going to host, they need Middlebury to get knocked off, and maybe even Newman. Uh, definitely Middlebury, though. Um, so I don't see it happening. Um, and if you feel like diving into it, do you see the Landmark as an up-and-coming conference in D3 World with a new coach at Moravian having early success? Etown will be hiring a new coach. Gaucher has a new coach at the helm as well. Here's what I'll say about the Landmark, and I've said this a lot. They already should be there. This Landmark's been around for 10 years, and it's underperformed. Yes, Catholic has been good. Yes, Scranton has had its signs. Susquehanna has emerged. It's wonderful. But... Nothing against Susquehanna, and I know who this is coming from, so I'm being gentle at least. Susquehanna should have walked away with a landmark this year. That being said, Scranton came on really nicely at the end. The landmark can get more competitive, and I think it will be more competitive, but it should have been more competitive five years ago. Um, I'm hopeful that the landmark will be a little bit more up-and-coming. I think it's a good conference. It's definitely top half of the of D3, but I'm waiting I've been waiting. Who do you see coming out of these two pods? Worcester fan and a North Central grad. My heart is with North Central. Money on the Scots. Um, I I I think people are underappreciating Hanover. Let's just put it that way. I think people are misunderstanding Hanover. Um, all right. Going to get going here. Going to take another break. Uh, when we come back, Kevin Vanistreek will join us on the air. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops will after this.
6: College basketball. At the college basketball experience at Sprint Center. The college basketball experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame. Featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built.
3: It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment the game winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court.
6: I'm a current Division III student-athlete and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be.
0: So if you're a first-year student-athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally.
6: If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division
3: III
2: student-athletes, and you can be, too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Defining moments. Championship dreams. Share the experience with your family and friends. The 2017 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 17th and 18th at the Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets for your tickets today.
0: Welcome back to the uh, Hoops Hill, Presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Uh, probably about a half hour or so left in this special broadcast, so if you've got questions, we'll try and answer them. Uh, we do have uh, men's basketball committee chair Kevin Vanderstreek on the show here. Do get a question? Thoughts on Northwestern St. Paul? As I have said before, don't sleep on them. They ask that they can beat a tough team. Whitewater better not low overlook them. Um, I mean, they knocked off St. Thomas a couple years ago, and they've not nearly knocked off other teams. Uh, they got all the way to the Sweet Sixteen that year. They knocked off St. Thomas, so you know, don't sleep on them. Um, just because they're unheralded doesn't mean they're not good. Uh, so. Mind. Uh, if you've got questions, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Tweet us at d 3 hoops or hashtag hoopsville. You can also join us on any of the chat rooms we're trying to run. Uh, I know we got one on the uh, face on YouTube. We got one particular fan who just loves to bury us with three word questions. Um, and we're certainly trying to follow those questions. The chance. So let's talk men's basketball. I'll talk about the men's basketball committee chair. Bobby Morgan was nice enough to come on a moment ago uh, to talk to us about um, her team or the women's side. We've got the men's side ahead of us. The men certainly made some interesting decisions and even bucked a rather significant trend. Um, in what does it all mean, though, is probably the million dollar question. Joining us on the Hoopsol Hotline, presented by the city of Salem, is the head coach of the Calvin. Men's basketball team, uh, Kevin VandeStrate, coach. Welcome, welcome back, sir. And have you caught any sleep yet?
7: (laughs) Well, thanks for having me. No, I actually just said to our guys we did fast break drills and shooting today, and I said I don't have enough energy to run a good practice today, so we're not doing it.
0: Well, let's be honest. You're practicing, you guys. I don't think many people gave you a chance to be in the tournament.
7: Well, no, and we're we're uh, very. we feel very blessed and fortunate and, and happy that kind of things to be playing. The guys are really excited. I think we played our best basketball down the stretch, and we're looking forward to a little more.
0: Um, somebody pointed out you guys, no pressure, have won uh, the first-round game each of the, of the last six times you've been in the NCA tournament. So I, I'm just letting you know, seven's a lucky number. You're going to have to keep that up.
7: I'm not sure we played the number three team in the country in any of those games. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see how this goes.
0: Uh, I was going to, I was going to say, um, when you looked at what, cause I, how much, actually, let me get there before we get to my question. How much were you involved with the, the bracketing being that you're in, the ter- you're in as a, as a member?
7: Yeah. It, to be perfectly honest, pretty much all of it. Okay. Um, and, um, you know we obviously geography and all those things come into play like they would any other time including with us uh with calvin college and we're going to marietta i i i thought maybe uh someone else in the pod should be playing marietta instead of us and then i thought you know what i'm not taking any chances i want to make sure that no one thinks that we're getting a, a break here when we shouldn't be, and so we just want to do what's right. The committee's been great, and it's had a lot of integrity, and we're trying to get the best teams in and doing the right thing for Division 3, and Calvin College is no exception.
0: One uh, of the net, obviously beat Hope, which, by the way, beat them the last two times you faced them. Uh, that'll, that'll please your fan base t- to no end. Um, obviously, you weren't, not ch- I, I know it's hard when you're teams involved to be involved in the bracketing I assume you kind of kept your hands off when they decided to move you and that's why you're playing the third team in the, in the country
7: <laughs> well yeah you know in, in my first year on the committee we were in and then I stepped off the call altogether. together um, then the next was in and and um you know calvin was in and i talked to jeff burns i said jeff it's possible that someday i'm gonna have to be in charge of this thing i gotta hear what's going on and how you guys are doing this kind of thing and um you know and look these the people that we're with they're gonna make sure that there's nothing that you know goes below uh, what should be happening from an integrity standpoint and we got lots of people looking at it and checking through. So I don't I sure hope no one would uh, would think we'd pulled any funny thing here. At least no one in their right mind would play Marietta first. So <laughs>
0: yeah. Hey so welcome to the tournament and you're playing Marietta. I know you're the chair, please cheat us time Um that might have been Elisa just saying, you know what, I'm giving you Marietta. That's that's what my, my one joy of the of the weekend's gonna be. Um so let's talk about selections then and move into that direction. Um, I think the elephant in the room is the fact that the big trend was bucked. I know when we were doing selections last night, it was hard for Oshkosh. And when, and when the other guys saw, because we were able to kind of figure out what the rankings were probably going to be, um, when we saw that Oshkosh had gotten moved ahead of Illinois Wesleyan and had gotten moved ahead of Eau Claire into a position that they were definitely going to be at the table, Their thinking was, there's no way the committee's doing that and not thinking about picking them. And while I agreed with them, my thinking was, the trend has been, and what we've been told, is no team below 667. What was it about Oshkosh that blew all of that out of the water?
7: Right. Well, I think, you know, it starts back, you know, probably starts back five years ago, in all honesty. But it starts with with you and I have had conversations, and I can't remember which was on the air or off the air, but we had talked about this year's field – not having quite the numbers that maybe they have had uh in recent years both from strength of schedule and from win losses and that it was possible we were looking at a team with maybe eight or nine losses and a team with maybe a 510 or 500 or heaven forbid below that getting into the tournament you know and I think when I say it started five years ago when, when my friend Brian Van Haften, who was the chair last year, first year on the committee, and we've been friends for, you know, 40 years, he said to me, Kevin, I'm going to tell you right now, you've got to find the best teams in your region and you've got to go play them. And I'm like, you're crazy. I'm not going to do, <laughs> do that. And he goes, no, I'm serious. You have to beat good teams in order to get a large bid. Um, And I believe that that has been the case as we have selected at-large teams since then. So moving this forward to Oshkosh, um, you know, we went through our at-large, we went through 10 pretty quickly, and then you start getting a little slower. Now you're looking at some teams and you're saying, how do we pick the best teams of this group and what separates them? And in Oshkosh's case, they had by far the most best wins. That's probably not grammatically correct, but but that's the case. Um, By far the most best wins. And so that would also follow suit with Augustana uh, and St. Thomas. Um, Now uh, Oshkosh happened to have a higher strength of schedule, but we've also talked about how those numbers place to start and we need to dig in deeper and find out what those mean and so even though oshkosh had 10 losses uh i believe they had uh eight uh, eight really high quality wins and um just on a side note i know we don't we don't use this massive anything on the committee or anything but it's something i have fiddled around with with a long time and uh looked at today and they have them i believe it's the number nine team in the country is oshkosh so i don't think we missed on them i just think it is a trend that was bucked like you said and maybe surprised some people
0: so let me f- direction though uh, you brought a team also in in st thomas Whose SOS was about a 5:30? They were 19 and seven, 19, yeah, 19 and Mm seven. While a team of 20 and five with a similar SOS in Mount St. Joseph remained at the table, Um, it almost feels like okay, quality wins and SOS. I get it. I understand the argument. Um, We can, I can get back. I'll get back to my thought on that in a minute. But if we're going to do that then why is a team with one less loss and two, or two more losses and one less win getting in over a team like Mount St. Joseph who's more wins and and we can argue on on the quality wins I think they were both pretty equal in that category um it just seems it seems like it, we had two different arguments there
7: well i would disagree with that and say we we had the same argument and that is uh, when we looked at quality wins and the things that we use to measure quality wins, uh, St. Thomas actually had about three times the number of quality wins of St. Joe and
1: hmm. St.
7: Joe. And we're talking; these are close now, right? Yeah, so yeah. These we're oh, talking we're the last, hairs. last three or four in, the last you know two or three out. St. Joe was right there, one of the last ones to not get in. Um, so, but that was the determining factor. This, the same rationale. Um, that we used for Oshkosh, that we used for St. Thomas, applied to St. Joe, to Illinois Wesleyan, um, you know, and so on.
0: The fact um, there, was, there was scuttlebutt, I don't have anywhere I can point to, but there was scuttlebutt that there was concern that because Illinois Wesleyan hadn't made its tournament, that maybe they shouldn't even be in this conversation. It appears that you as a national committee dis- didn't agree with that, that assertion.
7: Well, again, trying to use that same thought process. They had a lot of good wins, but I I think, in all honesty, we had a hard time. We would have had a hard time choosing them over teams um, that did make their conference tournaments and even specifically in their own league that you say, boy, how do you differentiate with that and to to put them over the hump, um, yeah, we just didn't quite see it,
0: are you saying because they didn't make the tournament, which is not technically criteria, or just because being in the tournament was giving the other teams more data to to differentiate themselves
7: well. Uh, I'm not quite sure what you're asking. Well, I'm saying
0: instead of saying to Illinois West, I don't know if we can enter the equation here, because they didn't make the tournament, and because they didn't make the tournament is not a criteria part, versus the other teams who did make tournaments, you know, it's not a conversation of made tournament, not made tournament criteria, right. it, or is it because those other teams made tournaments and data was then, they got more data, they got more wins or losses and no. SOS, right. is that where because the data yeah. stood out or because you actually made a conscious decision to, to say something that's not technically in the criteria?
7: No, no, that's correct. There, there'd be more data, more room, They, you know, teams in their conference tournaments had a chance to play, you know, again, more, uh, better teams to get more, better wins Uh, And Illinois Washland just fell short of that.
0: When you go back to Oshkosh, the worry I have, though, with the president, and again, I understand the argument, and we had it last night. It was at six thirty, and we I eventually shut it down because I said we got to go with what we know, and we know that that trend won't happen. Okay, so now the trend happens, but here's my concern. You know, we talk a lot about going out there and challenge yourself. Sure, develop a good SOS. I'm not opposed to that. But there's always been a conversation with yourself or others who've also said, that's all well and good, but you also have to win your games. And I understand they got wins over quality teams, but they also had 10 losses. You know, they also only won 63% of the games. They didn't even win two thirds of their games. Is it a dangerous precedent to say, hey, Get a couple good wins to you know to boost it, and obviously it's more than a couple. I don't mean to, to be derogatory there. You know, get good wins. Don't worry about the losses.
7: Well, I think um, again, I would just get back to the tenet of saying you have to beat good teams, and that that's been the case as long as I've been a part of the committee and and before. So I do think, you know, the 10 is a round number and it jumps out at people. I think if they were probably 18 and nine, we wouldn't, you know, no one would even say anything probably. So we got to get past, uh, to me, a you have to have an SOS of this number or a win number of this and try to figure out, especially when we're getting towards, you know, towards the end and say, who do we feel uh, would be the best team here? and. It might. I, I'm not, you know, I guess we'll look a couple of years down the road and say, boy, he really messed up. <laughs> or maybe we say that was a good thing. And I, and I think all along, though, we have been encouraged to go out and find good people to beat, you know. And, and we've had it the last couple of years with, with teams like Penn State Barron or Lancaster they're hurt a little bit by their conference you know as far as how many games they play and not being able to get it but whenever they have contacted uh, national committee members we have said you have to play better teams you have to beat better teams
0: I get that and I, I, I totally get that I just worry that okay they're beating tough teams but they're also losing you know what I mean that's it almost feels like a D1 argument, you know, that, you know, we talk, sometimes I roll my eyes when I see, you know, a team like Syracuse is being discussed as being a a bubble team with a, you know, a 15 and and 12 record. And then, you know, their arguments, well, they play in the ACC, they play a lot of good games. Well, I I get, that, but they're not winning a a super majority. They're barely winning a majority. Does that truly qualify? I, I just worry that yeah, I'm totally for a stronger schedule and rewarding teams for stronger schedules. Absolutely, to a point. There's be a point of going, yeah, but come on, guys, you also didn't win everything. You 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 lost ten of your of your 27 games. You know, I just worry about it. I'm not sure what the right answer is. I, I'm just being the devil's advocate to some degree, because this is obviously the biggest the biggest decision this committee has made in in, in a few years.
7: Yeah, I you know. I don't disagree that that's that's probably the true, but I I also think, like I said, this year I think is a little bit different in that the teams teams at least teams a lot of teams that I've seen and um, maybe teams around the country looking at numbers are it's a little different year than than we've had in the past, to a certain degree, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll I guess we'll find out.
0: Uh, talking to Kevin Vanderstreek, head coach at Calvin but the Men's Basketball Committee Chair. We can go around in circles, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this when we're together in Salem. Um, I think it, it's going to take some time to process. Of course, you hope Hoshkosh maybe goes out there and wins, but uh, a whole other conversation. Um, the other thing I'm, I'm a little bit curious about is is it, it feels like the SOS is once again emerging as a, as a very important number how difficult is it to, to keep that? I mean, the NESCAC got five in, thanks in part to some strong SOS numbers. We talk about Oskosh getting in with a strong SOS. The UAA certainly got some advantages getting in with some strong SOS numbers. How much is that being kept in control, and how much are we worried it may be going too far, if that makes any sense? I mean, is it can it go too far?
7: Well, I think, you know, again, the numbers, whether it's... You know, if somebody's 25 and 2 or whether somebody has a 590 SOS, that, that draws your attention. And so that's a really good place to start. And then we're going to try to drill in as deep as we can to figure out what those numbers mean. And, you know, we've used this these terms before. Um, sometimes people have a fake SOS, what I would consider a fake SOS, in that they're getting... Uh, rewarded for playing good teams and not beating them, um, but there's also fake win-loss percents. So teams might have 24 wins and really one or two we consider quality wins. So it could be a fake win-loss percent, right? So those numbers just kind of get you started and you got to drill in deep uh, to figure out what those numbers mean.
0: How much, how much did you guys... Die, uh, how long was it taking to, to get these last? Obviously, there were two more picks, so it's in general for the men's committee than it has in the past, but how long was it taking? I know we kind of started bogging down around pick number 12. Um, how long did it take you guys to, to really come up with this?
7: Well, um, you know, the first 10 um, were, were pretty quick. Um, yeah, to be honest, those... those you know, we talked through them. We looked at the, the whole group and said those are pretty clear. And then, you know, the next three or four took a little bit longer. And the last, um, you know, four, five, six, um, yeah, took a pretty long <laughs> pretty-
0: Um When you look at the trend that has gone here, um, are, are you worried that there's going to be any, you know, kind of, Feedback, flashback, whatever it is, next year, and maybe we, you know, everyone sees this and goes out and schedules hard. But then maybe the committee goes, maybe we went too far, and we go back the other direction. Conscious you guys are at trying to be consistent from year to year, while also at adjusting.
7: Yeah, I, I think we have tried very hard, and I I, I mean I understand that you're disagreeing <laughs> you're disagreeing with me, however, very politely. Uh, <laughs> but I think we have tried to stay consistent in that, in that we're. Really- trying to get the best teams. We're not trying to say, hey, the, the 64 best SOS teams get in or the 64 teams who've won the most games get in. We've tried to figure out who the best teams are and, and specifically the 21 at-larges right after the, after the 43 AQs and to say who are those best teams, what does best mean, and how do we determine what best means. Um, and I think the thought process... Uh, has been very consistent, but um, this year we happened to get one of those that had 10 losses.
0: Nescot getting five in, how much was that a conscious thing on your guys' mind that it, that this was probably going to be a new thing, too, that a conference getting five teams in the tournament? Counting one is an automatic, obviously, four at large was going to be something that was a little bit new for everybody and, and, and how much, I don't want to say they didn't deserve it. That's certainly not what I'm trying to say here, but how much did you want to make sure they deserved it?
7: Well, we didn't necessarily look um, specifically at that conference or any other conference. I, there was a time I looked down on my, I have a like a page of notes uh, in a, excel document on each each one that i'm taking as we go along and some that i've prepared going in and I all of a sudden i thought goodness sake how many northeast teams are we going to have here and i looked down and there was a boatload of them and uh, i think that was the first time and and after that we still took more so again i, I don't think we we're looking at geography um, or conference or any of those kind of things just I hate to say it, sound redundant, but just get back to who are the best.
0: Um, how much, how much did, I mean, it seems like SOS numbers in general were higher this year. Uh, the UAA certainly was spiked. We're used to the NESCAC having some high numbers, but it seemed like there were more high numbers year um, We talked about the Oshkosh here, certainly having a really high number. Um, how much, did those other did it seem like SOS numbers were a little bit higher than you were used to
7: well that's a good question dave I, I i don't know that we ever talked about comparatively with with other years i think we were pretty focused on you know the the primary criteria and of course i think Personally, I think things start with win-loss and and strength of schedule numbers, and and then we go from there. But uh, honestly, I don't know the answer to that. I I don't know what they've compared to past years. Um, We really didn't look at that.
0: Uh, So teams, my only other thought on this, and this is one of those questions I think we ask all the time, and I think it's tricky. We had the Lancaster Bible scenario last year. I think Mount St. Joseph and Letourneau are examples of it this year. Um, and I think we could certainly point to some others. Denison's another great example uh, of teams who don't have great SOS numbers—some below five hundred, some above five hundred—but um, have pretty decent win losses, especially over twenty wins. What do you say to programs like that who feel like, especially Laterno, who who feel like almost a no-win situation? Um, maybe they're trying to improve their SOS. Maybe they can't improve their SOS, but they're at least still out there winning the games. I mean, how do we? Justify that to them. When it, and I'm not trying to compare to Oshkosh. I'm literally trying to just compare to win loss numbers. Is what I'm trying to trying to drive at.
7: Yeah, I, and I think their Division Three has some very unique challenges for sure. Um, you know, we, for example, just using Calvin as an example. Um, you know we're in a situation we can't go north, can't go east, can't go west. We're really limited in who we who we can schedule out of conference. Some conferences have twenty or twenty two games. um We had it one year in fact, we scheduled Manchester and Anderson two years in advance when we scheduled them the year they were both in the n c a tournament, and by the time we played them. Uh, both teams had undergone coaching changes and were in rebuilding mode, and it hurt our strength of schedule. You know, and So there are a lot of those factors that come into play, and I, and I understand it. Um, I do think there are kind of three levels or three chances, so to speak, of getting in a tournament, and the first is your regular season. You, you have to schedule the best teams that you can, and you've got to win them. Um, if you don't do that, your next chance is the conference tournament, and everyone but the UAA has it, and it's all on you. When I, when I look at our guys every year, the first practice of the conference tournament following the regular season, I write on the board the NCAA tournament starts today in that I expect to not be playing after we lose, at whenever that is. And so everyone has a chance to do that. Uh, and so if you, you got to look in the mirror a little bit and say, boy, we should have been a little better, maybe. And so then the third level is, of course, to the committee. And, and now you're put in the hands of, of eight people. And I think they're very qualified. I think they're have a high integrity and character and work extremely hard in this month to do the best that we can. And but the short answer would be schedule better people. I guess that's the you know, that's what we have tried to do. It hasn't always worked out for us, but that would be my recommendation to anyone.
0: I, I hear what you're saying and I get it. I just feel like this Oshkosh example is throwing a big monkey wrench into it because you say, you know, we should have won more. Well, they lost double digit games. Um, you know, 10 games out of 27, you know, 630, you know, they lost a lot of games. And then we got teams like, and I don't want to use Denison because I think Denison could certainly maybe find a way to, 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 to fix that schedule a little bit. You know, we got a Luterno who's doing everything they can in an isolated region. They're 20 and five, um, with a five Oh five SOS, whether they deserve to get in or not is not my argument here. It's just that, you know, they at least went out there and won their games. They won three more games and lost five less. Um, I just think that's where this argument gets weird. And I didn't expect to be in this topic as much as we are. Um, I just, my brain's kind of spinning a little (laughs) bit and and I'm trying to catch up a little bit, I guess.
7: Right. Well, and I think you're, you're dwelling on the losses more than the wins. And I would say in my time on the committee in all four years, we have focused more on the wins by far than the losses. Uh, who have you beaten? Who are your quality wins? Who's your best win? Um, all of those types of things when trying to decipher between teams. And, and I wouldn't say we've ignored the losses, but they've been much further down the scale than the wins.
0: I mean, that's great insight. And that's perfectly, that's great for the, those at home who, who maybe need to hear that, that you certainly look at the wins. I, I, th- I think we may, and that. Maybe we've gone too far. That's just my opinion. I'm, I'm not telling you, Kevin, anything here that 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 needs to be changed. I'm just saying maybe we've gone too far for ignoring the wins to the point that a 10, 10 loss team walked in the door. Um, because I, you know, I also have heard from the committee uh, many occasions. You know, you got to win your games, um, which I've always took as you can't have dumb losses. But uh, I digress. I don't. I, we could go in circles on this. I know it,
1: we could. Well, and we I could.
7: think it's a fair point, Dave. I, I think you're making a fair argument. I have no problem with it. I. I I would support our decision, and I think it was a, a unanimous decision there. And that's, you know, okay. that was our, that was our point.
0: Of view. Uh, curiosity: uh, who, is, who are the last couple teams in? If you if if you're willing to give it,
7: sure. The last the last couple um, probably St. Lawrence and Cabrini.
0: Really? So Oshkosh was kind of picked earlier on. That many Illinois Wrestling well, got well, to the one, table.
7: one actually.
0: Okay. <laughs> So they, Illinois Wesley was at the table for a couple, a couple conversations then? Yes. Hmm. Yes.
7: Yes, they were.
0: And that also means, what was it, Bethel and the West got to the table?
7: Mount St. Joe uh, was probably another one. Loras. Um, those okay. are teams that uh, Bethel was, uh, was an AQ. Oh, right.
0: I'm um, sorry. I'm confusing uh, with women. I apologize.
7: So, yeah. Illinois Wesley, Mount St. Joe, Loras, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. There was someone else, but those were oh, the ones off. that were kind of at the table. Turno, yeah, uh, that were being talked about.
0: Okay. Um, when you guys got down to bracketing, uh, what were your, some of your biggest challenges? Uh, um, I, I noticed. It seems. It seems the NCAA was willing to give you a, or embrace an extra flight to help you out, make that Texas pod maybe a little bit better.
7: Yeah, we really, we really another team from Texas. Yeah, <laughs> in all honesty, but. You know, I don't know that we had any more challenges than any other year. It's, it's always um, the geography just really comes into play. Um, you know, we try to find who we think are probably the best 16 teams and try to keep them apart and uh, get hosts and, Um, I would say one one probably interesting thing this year was Christopher Newport and Scranton. I I was kind of thinking they were going to be hosting. I I kind of thought that Wash U and Tufts, you know, you kind of knew going in the women were going to take those sites, but I wasn't expecting Christopher Newport and Scranton, and so therefore we did a little scrambling late uh, with those guys.
0: When you um, kind of – looked at it further down, I see a couple interesting things. There's a potential if you get it. It's interesting, the two teams that, that have struggled sometimes in tournaments is are Marietta and Rochester, and it's not, it's just we've seen some losses early on. They're the only ones that are going to keep you from maybe sending this tournament to Whitman in the, in the next weekend. You're guaranteed <laughs> two flights there at least. Uh, how much How much was there some wrangling in that second weekend to keep things as, as minimum as possible?
7: Yeah, the I would say that the uh, the quarters got involved in that how's that
0: i had a feeling um i mean but
7: i do think i do think and again i'm obviously biased because i'm involved pretty heavily i do think it's a really balanced bracket and i i think you know we got good teams kind of spread through um I'm, I'm excited to see how it shakes out i you know maybe we'll look back and say boy that you know that just didn't come out how we wanted but Right now I think we feel pretty good about it
0: um, I'm curious I don't know if you've thought this far in advance and you don't have to' Uh you have I'm, I'm just more curious the Rochester Marietta scenario is because Rochester's closer to the to to easier airports like Syracuse and Rochester is it more likely it goes there or is this going to come down to SOS and, and it doesn't matter the the airport proximity as it were or not SOS I should say criteria I misspoke. Yeah.
7: We, I wouldn't say we thought about that okay. yet.
0: Okay. Um, the, it feels like Babson losing may have moved them into a different part of the bracket.
7: Um, they did get flipped. Um, I think we still consider them a very strong team and i seed, so to speak. We don't really seed them, but you know, that kind of thought process, um, and we try to keep them, you know, away as best we can from others. You know, I think, and this is a long time ago, but 15 or 20 years ago, you'd have, you'd have Babson and Middlebury playing in the same pod, probably. you know. And so um, we try to keep them apart, for sure.
0: When you, um, when you had scenarios like WashU, Tufts, Scranton, uh, was there another one? At least three.
7: Christopher Newport. Christopher
0: Newport, thank you. Uh, that that had to be moved out because you you clearly want to have men's. Did you simply take that foursome and move them to another location, or, or was there some rip, triple, trickle down effects that you had to, to shake up the bracketing? For the most part, it seems like maybe you just moved the pod.
7: We it, I would say it was pretty close to moving the pod. We we did um, need to trickle a little bit, but um, yeah, it it really worked out I think pretty well um, you know, the the getting who we wanted to have and balancing each pod um even though they weren't able to host and I'm sure they're hoping they can win and and uh hope host the following weekend. Uh
0: I know that the two uh Commonwealth Coast Conference teams, Nichols and Endicott, are sitting in the same pod with a possibility, granted they'd have to win their games, Endicott over Salisbury and Nichols over Newman, to face off in the second weekend um, I have gathered that that wasn't an accident like you guys knew putting there
7: yeah and we you know one of the things that we look at uh, um, obviously is we're trying to keep teams away especially in the first game and hopefully in the first pod of teams that have played each other during the year it doesn't always work that way. I would say 95 percent of the time that's that works, that uh, we're trying to keep teams away from who they played in the regular season. Then we also look at who did they play last year in the first game or the first pod and even uh, the year before that. So I've had brackets here on my desk for a long time from 2015, you know, mm-hmm. in 2016, and we're those are probably more in that first than than thinking more beyond that. Um, You know, again, I can speak from experience and say it's almost disappointing at times in my time here where we go play at Hope or we play in the same pot Mm -hmm. as Hope. Uh, That's happened two or three times in my time here. And and I think by being able to stretch the mileage to 500, we've made it – kind of a more unique experience, a you know, a more balanced experience and you know, um just for us going to Marietta this week and Guilford and Thomas Moore, that's really fun. We just don't see those teams. So gives it a big feel, I think.
0: To that degree though, Endicott and Nichols sitting in there in that in that same pod, you know, you bring up the Hope v. Calvin and and sitting in the same pod. Is there a way we could have flipped Connecticut, or we could have flipped them with somebody else um, to, to take them away from each other. That's what I mean. I, I feel like you guys knew that, and, and, but kept it.
7: Yeah, we uh, we kept it um, in the interest of trying to balance that pod from what we felt were uh, balanced from a quality of team standpoint.
1: Um,
0: you're saying Eastern Connecticut or somebody moving in would have would have disrupted that or made the another pod a little bit unbalanced? Yes. Okay. Um, it does feel like a diversified ba- a bracket. I mean, the, the Northeast, Mid Atlantic, Atlantic are very much, well, and East are mixed um, this year, which is a little bit different. Sometimes it's a little Northeast or a little bit Atlantic heavy. Um, it feels certainly diverse, and obviously we've got flights potentially in the Upper Northwest with the Great Lakes and and East mixed in. Heck, I mean, when Whitman's in a pod that's got a Northeast, two Northeast teams. Two East teams, along with Mid Atlantic teams and South teams, we're definitely looking at diversity. Uh, is it fair to say the NCAA has also maybe loosened up the restrictions slightly? I don't want to say uh, try and encourage anybody to think that they're going to also start blowing the budget again, but it feels like <laughs> they've at least loosened things up a little bit to let you be a little more creative.
7: Well, I, I think the flights is a big thing. Um, you know that and that's just hard i i honestly i feel bad for whitman and whitworth i mean how many times yeah. did this happened you know and and the same in texas but whitworth and whitman have seemed to dominate out there for a long time and there's just no way of you know of of preventing that first pod i think um but we did get two other teams, which was really nice, right? I think we tried to get two other teams that they maybe haven't seen that certainly aren't in their conference and, you know, something like that to, to try to help in that regard.
1: Uh,
0: it's, it's an interesting dynamic. We're going to get – I mean, we could have all kinds of different ideas. is uh, a championship weekend in Salem. Um, we could all be coming out of the same re- – or most of them coming out of the same region. They could be different regions. It, it's, it's certainly diverse. Um, but I am curious how much the five NESCAC schools, or as many North New England schools as you have, you have a lot of New England schools, how much did that kind of challenge you guys with bracketing?
7: Yeah, it was a challenge. It was a challenge for sure. Um, but again, I, I think, and this started a couple years ago, we started heading in the direction of making it more diverse. And, you know, there, again, there was a time when you had the, you know, great lakes region and whoever won the great lakes, you know, they went to the final four or whatever it might be, you know, and, and now I think it's, it's good to separate, um, you know, again, you have a middle, middle Barry and Babson, you know, kind of thing. Why would you want them to play in the second round or, you know, that kind of thing. They've earned the right to, to make their way at least a ways if they could.
0: Well, I'm not sure if I got anything else left. I think my tank has has run dry, but I'm going to quickly check our usual question areas to see if anybody has sent in a question into us. That I've maybe missed. Um, uh, any thoughts as I do that to to the work you guys did that that we haven't brought, uh, touched on?
7: Um, no, I don't. You know, nothing that I haven't said before. I, I, just, I think it's a it's a very very difficult job. Um, you know with others, you know, the Michigan State, uh, Mark Hollis, the athletic director, here is the chair of the Division One, and I think, you know, wh- what it is they do and the resources they have and the time they have um, is a significant difference from, from what we have, and so the people on the committee sacrifice a great deal of their time and probably putting their workload off on other people uh, to, to do what I think has been a really good job, and uh, I just tip my hat to all four years, the committee members, and um, it's, it's a part of the, what makes division special is you have people like that who are doing it not only in basketball, but every sport and every conference tournament, and makes it a, a, a neat opportunity for participants for sure.
0: Well, I think that's about it. I don't see any other questions, so I think I'll let you go. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time um, to, to chat with me. I, you know, this the Oshkosh thing is just interesting. You know, I can, you know, I, I just I'm curious how it'll it'll turn out. So I appreciate you indulging me as as I try to think it through myself. Um, and uh, good luck the rest of the of the tournament, and especially yourself. Obviously, playing against uh, um, Marietta at their place. It'll be fun for everybody to watch as well. Uh, I'll close with, if there's any final thoughts before we let you go.
7: Oh, we're excited. You know, I, I, I we have a soccer coach who's now yes. maybe fourth year, and they've done very well. And the first time you went in, one, one, again, one of my basic tenets is any problem in the NCA is a good problem because you could not be having it. So uh, for us, we see a great challenge in going to Marietta, being an outstanding environment. But, wow, what a, what a fun opportunity to go and play.
1: We'll enjoy
0: it. Uh, Marietta is a cool little uh, southern Ohio town, as you know, and I'm sure you'll have fun in the meantime. I'm sure I'll talk to you plenty between now and when we see each other in Salem. Otherwise, I will see you there.
7: Great. Thanks very much, Dave.
0: Thank you, Kevin. Take care. Kevin VanDestreek joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate the City of Salem taking the time to sponsor this uh, the hotline as they always have. Uh, City of Salem, sponsor of the or host of the Division Three Championship Weekend, along with the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, twenty-first uh, season straight that we will be down there for at least up to the championship, the semifinals. Twentieth time we'll play the championship game in Salem. Remember, the odd year in Atlanta was the only time we didn't do that. We hope you'll take the time to to maybe come into those games. It is certainly worth watching we'll ourselves, um, and looking forward to some big announcements there as well. I think we might have some more questions that I got that I'm related that I'll try and uh, answer as well. Um, no, uh, not there. Let me double-check the email. And I don't. I think we're good. I think we ran out of questions, which is a, which is good. But I've also run out of energy, and I want to get off the air before Hoopsill normally comes on the air. Um, this Oshkosh thing is going, to be, is, is going to take me more time to, to, to think over, so I don't want to say much more about it. But I think it's, a, it's an interesting I think it's an interesting decision. Uh, I I, I think it in some ways flies in the face of what we're saying, but I think the information there was was critical, that they really look at who you win and that that they ignore losses, but they they were not weighed as much. And I'm wondering if that's gone too far in that degree and not on purpose. I think it's certainly by accident. I think sometimes you get into a thing like, hey, check this out, check this out, that you just start forgetting about the other thing, and you got to come back and remember the other thing. Not sure how that's going to play out. I, I mean, I was surprised Oshkosh was ranked where they were. Um, they're ahead of Illinois Wesleyan, who certainly had very good criteria. They're ahead of Eau Claire, who had great criteria. Granted, O'Claire was 0-2 versus Oshkosh, which makes this even muddier, a conversation. Um, not sure what the right answer is. Um, it sounds like the entire committee was on board. I look forward to talking to other committee members and seeing what they think about it. Um, We'll see. Hey, Oshkosh could end up going on a run in this tournament and proving that the committee was on the right way. If they lose, it's gonna be fodder. And what is the right way to do things? Um, I'm at a point that you know, I don't know what the right answer is. And I do. I will admit. I will admit. I think this is an anom- anomaly to some degree. I don't think any seventeen and te- seventeen and ten team with a really gaudy SOS enters this situation. The SOS out of Oshkosh was ridiculous, if I remember correctly. Uh, 609, or sorry, 602. Considering their losses, it's a 602. I think the highest SOS might have belonged to Middlebury. Does that sound right to anybody out there? I'm quickly scanning numbers, and it's hard to see all those numbers. Yeah, Middlebury had a 613, but they at least were 24-3. and So, you know, Oshkosh had a gaudy number, probably the second highest SOS in the country. The question is, quality wins aside, are too many losses, just flat out too many losses. And I think that's what we now need to evaluate. And and trust me, here's what I know about these committees aside. They will reevaluate this. They'll look at it throughout the tournament. They'll see what's going on. They'll meet again in either May or June and discuss this all over again and and reevaluate it from a completely different point of view, having stepped away from it. And say, you know what? Maybe we made a mistake, or we didn't make a mistake. And what I do know is, they'll talk with with coaches in the NABC. There's a great relationship with the NABC and the National Committee, and they will discuss this. And if the NABC feels, yeah, maybe we went too far, the committee will listen. If the stats guys from the NCA comes back and say, I think you may have overthought this one too, they'll listen. Whether they make changes, I don't know. If any of those entities come back and you made a good decision, this might be a new trend to watch out for. But again, not every 17-10 and 10 team was going to make the tournament. Uh, we're talking about an SOS that was significantly higher than a lot of people, and they're looking at quality wins. They're not, And that's that results versus regionally ranked opponents. When you talk results, you're talking about being able to dive into the numbers and understand what those results were. And if they felt those quality wins were enough to leapfrog them in, that's what they felt. And that's the decision they made. And and trust me, we can make arguments up the wazoo of whether Illinois Wesleyan should have had a, a chance first, or whether Eau Claire, who moved from fourth to eighth in the regional rankings, deserve an opportunity. Trust me, I'm on, I'm in that conversation with everybody. Um, but at least they're on here talking about it. In the past, they may not have even come on here and talked about it. Um, I, it's gonna. Well, let's see what happens. Uh, we'll see what goes on the rest of the way. Um, Fascinating conversation. Uh, I look forward to getting more information and seeing how it all plays out. Remember the the on the men's side at least. I believe the games are five thirty and seven thirty on Friday local time, with a seven o'clock game on Saturday. Women don't tend to have that not that time locked down as much. So we'll see where it plays out. Don't forget, uh, look for the announcement coming up here soon as we promote it. We will be around show type thing. We haven't come up with a really snazzy title yet, but we will be covering all sixty four games on Friday and the 32 games on Saturday nonstop right here from the Hoopsville studios. Um, Ryan Scott and Gordon Mann will be joining me in studio to do that. Um, we may even have some other assistants, and we'll get uh, around the country and along with reports from around the country on what's going on in the tournament. That's coming up. Um, don't forget that we'll have the the D3 Bracket Challenge as well. Our Our friends at D3 Photography help run that. That will be on our website, so you can do that at some point in the near future before games start. We all we don't have to worry about Thursday games. Everybody's going to have to have their picks in uh, sometime, uh, probably Friday at you know before games start for sure. Um, and it'll be fun. Listen, no more, no matter what, this is going to be a fun tournament. Uh, I think the men's is wide open. There are I don't think there's any clear easy runs for anybody. And on the women's side, despite a few who may have your road set up like Amherst. I think the women's is going to be surprising as well. I think we're going to get some awesome games, especially in the second weekend, but even the first weekend. This is going to be a really exciting uh, tournament. I look forward to it and seeing where it may go um, uh, along the way. I want to thank everybody for reaching out. Um, we're going to wrap up this show as we speak. Um, Andrew, I don't understand your question, why Holland, Michigan? Um I don't, I don't get it. Uh, I may have said something. I don't know. Did I say Holland, Michigan? If I am if I was referring to the Women's Championship Week, there's a very good chance I accidentally said Holland. Uh, I've done that a few times uh, since it's been in Holland before as well. Um, I think that's it. Just double-checking. We don't have any other questions that I'm totally missing. Da-da-da. I don't see any, so that's it. We'll be back on the air Thursday, believe it or not, with another Hoopsville. <laughs> yeah, we're that crazy. We'll be back on the air Thursday with a Hoopsville. And probably Sunday as well, along with the whip around shows on Friday and Saturday. Stay to d3hoops.com and d3hoopsville.com. Of course, on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Of course, on Twitter at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville. Keep you abreast of what we are doing the rest of the time. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Really appreciate it. I uh, hope you enjoyed this one. Fascinating brackets. It'll be a fun tournament. And I want to thank uh, Bobby Morgan and Kevin Vanderstreek for coming on and Gordon Mann for assisting me as well. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope we answered your questions. We'll certainly answer more of your questions in the future. For now, I want to thank D3Hoops.com, of course, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, along with the City of Salem for sponsoring the show and their contributions to it as well. That's going to do it. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you back here on Thursday night as we talk at that point about what may happen in the tournament. Good night, everybody.